Hi, this is John. I know it's been a long time since I've done a preview, but I had to do this one. Throughout our numerous episodes, Steve Morris has led us in the discussion of so many classic and great films. And Armageddon. But on this episode, it's my turn to lead him into a discussion of one of my favorite films ever. Hoosiers. Released in 1986, directed by David Onspaugh and written by Angelo Pizzo, the film stars Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, Dennis Hopper, and a slew of young new actors who make up the Hickory Huskers, a high school basketball team looking to pull off the impossible. It's been called the best sports movie ever made. And who am I to disagree? And since we're in the middle of March Madness, we thought it was the perfect time to discuss this movie. And just in case you'd like to buy the movie before you watch it, you can buy it off our website at www.cine-files.net. That's www.cine-files.net. You can find the movie there, purchase it, come back to this episode and watch it. So sit back, or listen to it rather. So sit back and let us guide you through the American Heartlands version of the David versus Goliath story. Hoosiers, this week on The Cinephiles. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals, and most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. And welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. Uh, don't adjust your device. This is John Roca taking the lead on this particular episode of The Cinephiles, because this is one of my favorite films, and Steve was very gracious to ask me to host this one and kind of run it. So this is, uh, I'm popping my cherry a little bit. You guys know I host a bunch of shows, but this is one where I have not actually run the episode. So this is going to be a fun little experience for both of us, and I hope it works out. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm so excited. (laughs) So those of you who don't know me, my name is John Roca. I am a voiceover artist, host of numerous shows, and occasional actor here in Los Angeles. And my name is Steve Morris, and I am a filmmaker and directing teacher in Los Angeles. There we go. And this week, uh, we have decided to do a 1986 film called Hoosiers. And it is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sports film ever made. Directed by David Anspaugh, written by Angela Pizzo, starring starring Gene Hackman, Dennis Harper, Barbara Hershey, and a host of unknowns uh, as the team, the Hickory Huskers. Uh, And this is such a fantastic film for me because it it hits all the classic sports movie cliches of the underdog team that no one gives a chance to, that fights and wins and succeeds at the end of the movie, right? It's very much like Rocky, very much like all the greatest sports films are about underdogs overcoming great odds to achieve success um and it's based loosely based on the milan high school team that won the 1954 state championship it was the basis for this movie uh norman dale which is the part that gene hackman plays is based on bobby knight who was a legendary indiana university basketball coach uh anyway we're going to get into all the stuff about the film we're going to talk about the score talk about the direction talk about the writing talk about the acting how they all came together uh how barbara hershey is this is not one of her favorite films at all to to have made which we'll touch on uh but first what we like to do here on the cinephiles is talk about how people how we came to the film so steve how did you 
come to the come to Hoosiers. Didn't see it in the theater. Um, and I remember hearing that it was really good and then probably <laughs> rented it in maybe 88 or 89. Okay. Went, that was really good. Maybe watched it once or twice since. Wow. That's it. Wow. And, and you know, it's just, we talked about this before. Yeah. I, I don't think I watch as many movies as you do. Okay. And there's, there are more movies that sort of fall through the cracks. Are you a sports movie guy though? I, I am, okay. but I'm not a basketball guy. Okay. See, this is part of the yeah. thing. And, and I know we talked about before when we talked about the natural yeah. is that I really think like, Baseball and boxing are the most cinematic sports. Absolutely. That and because for all sorts of reasons that it comes down, it's, it becomes down to mano a mano mm-hmm. because it's easy to extend time yeah. because the dramatic moments become really really clear yeah. and that things like basketball, football, soccer, hockey are harder to yeah. film. Yeah. They're harder to choreograph. They're harder to you know. And so, so I I love baseball and boxing movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really a basketball basketball fan too much right um but maybe that but maybe it's the basket i don't know i just not a movie i love gene hackman yeah i i think it's a great movie i just haven't watched it that much well, this is an interesting point because um gene hackman and dennis hopper both thought that their careers were over by doing this movie wow. because no basketball movie had ever made money in the history right. of film none and and not pro and not college and here they are doing they're doing a high school basketball film which has even less you know prestige and notoriety and you've said like you just said boxing and uh, baseball have a history of doing fan- of having fantastic films made in black and white and in color right. right up until to this point up until this 1986 film there are numerous uh sure even field of dreams i think was around this time as well a little after yeah a little bit after but it was there right this idea that you could do basketball films or right? eight men out was coming out eventually at that point too and so this idea that they would be on this film is is just it, it's funny to me that they were uh, like so afraid that this was going to ruin their careers um i came to the film when it came out, I was so hyped for this movie because I was in high school. I went to go see I we I go I, saw, I went to Garfield High School in Virginia and I saw all the basketball games every year as a freshman, as a wow. sophomore, as a as a junior, as a senior. I would go. I would have travel with the team whenever they made state playoffs. Wow. I would go and travel. I remember us going to see uh, me and my best friend Maurice Jones, who's now uh, the city manager in Charlottesville, Virginia. We went to go see them our Garfield Indians play Heritage in a playoff game and lose on a three-quarter uh, shot at the last second. Wow. And it just so, to me, basketball... That's is, crushing, by the way. It's very it is so It's so great when you're the people where you win, and you feel... like Because you're at this moment of elation yes. when you lose at that last <laughs> moment, and then you're just like, what do I, what do, I do with myself? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which comes up in this movie. So, yeah. uh, but what's... Uh, to me, it was something that when I saw it, uh, my mouth was agape probably the whole time because I just was so in love with this idea, this slice of Americana this idea of like Midwestern values, you know, and David Onspot talks about this in interviews that he, like he, nobody wanted to make this movie. Nobody wanted to make this movie. This idea of these clean cut kids. And in fact, when he, when Angela Pizzo wrote the script and I hope I'm saying his name right. They, they told him you got to put like drug use in it, or you got to put something where the kids are like have issues. And I think what's great about this film and the reason I kept going back to see it over and over again is because these are, Straight laced kids. These are not like there's not kids that are purposely like not having black kids on the team. There's none of that. No. They're from a small town in Indiana, and they're just trying to survive. And it's initially the story of Gene Hackman and it be- his redemption, and it becomes the story of these kids believing in themselves. Yeah. Right, and that's what's so great about the film. 
so anyway, uh, let's start talking about uh, the film itself um, and how it got uh, made. There was a lot going on here uh, with uh, David Anspa and Angela Pizzo. They went to college together at Indiana oh. University. That's where they met for the first time. They were at, in a fraternity. I think it's Sigma Nu. They, were, they met there and developed a friendship. And uh, all this stuff was happening at this time with like, uh, it's so ironic, it was right during the counter-protest, counter-revolutionary, all this stuff was happening with Vietnam, everything to that to that extent, and all this was happening, and they were like kind of just writing, Pizzo was writing, and Anspa was working all this creative stuff himself, like all this, he was, he's older than Pizzo, so he was a little bit ahead doing his things, and I mean, sorry, Pizzo was ahead of Anspa doing his things, so these they were kind of around each other's circles and they kind of found a connection with each other which carried through all the way to now they live together in bloomington indiana now in 2017 yeah really they maintained a friendship for a very long time did two or three other movies together but this was the first one and this is david onspaugh's first feature film and so he i'm just gonna ask just a rude question yeah are they gay no okay no not no, I, mean, I feel like I'm doing the not Seinfeld. Okay. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong, wrong with that. No, no, but no. I'm just curious. No, no, the, 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 they've just remained really, really good wow. friends. So yeah, and through a lot, and through Hollywood, and and uh, Pizzo moved back to Indiana ten years before Anspa did, hmm. and now they teach uh, at, at Indiana University at uh, uh, what is it you do? Like what do they call those extension colleges? Like they teach. What is it they, whether you teach at other colleges, what do they call that when you're adjunct, adjunct oh, professor? Yeah, they do adjunct work. And so they do that, and they still teach all around Indiana wow. and stuff of that nature. And uh, Pizzo moved back because he wanted to raise his kids not in LA. Mm. And uh, Anspa moved back because he had kind of hit his wall about being in the city and wanted to go right. back. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people can handle it, some people can't. And some people just get sick of it and want to go back and go back to their roots. Sure, and there's nothing. And I think that's what's great about the movie is it kind of, you know, uh, reacquaints us back to a time in our history of this country, the Americana, like the natural does. And like, like Black Stallion did, which we covered on one of our episodes. Well, yeah. one thing that's really clear, that there is a genuine love of... The of Indiana and of this kind of small town. Yes, it's really, really clear, and it's not. And I and I know that like the the when they were trying to find location, yeah, that the locations worried like, are you some big Hollywood folk who right. are going to come in and make fun of us? Right, and and of course it's the opposite. It's that these people love the people that in the community and the landscape and all of the world and mm-hmm. culture that they're coming into. Yeah. And that shows throughout the film. Yeah. And they shot it in Indiana. Like they were initially the producers initially were pushing pushing them to shoot in Canada. And Anspa just insisted that they shoot in Indiana. Uh, let's get a little bit of background on both of them, if that's sure. all right with you. Yeah, Angela Pizzo. Uh, You're the uh, boss, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm running this thing. Pizzo also wrote Rudy, which I absolutely hate, and I know people love Rudy, but the top ten show, uh, Matt and I, we absolutely hate Rudy, and we will both of you. Rudy. We really do. We really think it's one of the cheesiest, dumbest sports movies. And if I've lost some of you, I apologize. It just isn't our bag. Okay. But uh, he wrote Hoosiers. Pizzo grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. He's the son of a Sicilian immigrant. He attended IU, where he received his bachelor's degree in political science. Right, And he was originally going to become a lawyer, but his father encouraged him to do something he actually wanted to do with his life. So like I said, he joined Sigma Nu, where he met David Anspa, but then he later attended film school at USC. 
as a writer. Uh, and he began his film television career with, with Warner Brothers. He was doing story development. Then he moved over to Time Life Films. I'm sure he was part of those Time Life commercials from the 60s and 70s, <laughs> right? Uh, he served as a vice president of feature film production there uh, and where he worked with Alan Spa. So these guys have been in their sight, in their circles right. the whole time. Uh, and so they got together and wrote, or, or com- like Pizzo wrote Hoosiers, and Alan Spa was one of the first people he wanted to direct the movie. He was an associate. He did a lot of stuff outside of when that. When is this? Like, what, what year are they? This is, is uh, 19, uh, 1961, I think. Yes, 1961, 1965. Oh, no, I mean, it's 1965, right around that time. That's when it got written? No, no, no. When it got written was uh, in 1978, 79. They okay. start to... Oh, that's what I... Yeah, they start to pitch this idea of... Of doing the movie, right? Anspa himself, who's the director, studied at Indiana University as well. He also went to the USC School of Cinematic Arts, and then he taught high school. My alma mater. Yes, right. That's why I bring it up. Uh, He also taught high school in Colorado. Now, he he worked as an associate producer in television. And he directed episodes of Hill Street Blues. He won two Emmy Awards. He did St. Elsewhere, Miami Vice. so big, big yeah. '80s TV. Yeah, yeah, big '80s. So when they, when, when Pizzo went to the producers with the script and wanted Anspaugh to direct, the producers were against it because, like, how is this guy who did like these gritty shows like right. Hill Street Blues and Miami Vice, and to a lesser degree, St. Elsewhere, going to do this like slice of Americana film set in the time that it's set in 1951 and do this kind of thing? But because they had grew up in Indiana, they understood Indiana basketball. They understood the religious nature of right. Indiana basketball. Uh, it ended up working out in the long run, as we saw with the end product of the film. Uh, Anspa also directed Fresh Horses. He also did Rudy. Right. He did Moonlight Valentino and The Game of Their Lives, which this is well, this is really great quiet film about the United States beating England in the World Cup in 1950. Oh, really? Yeah, with Patrick Stewart and a bunch because it was a bunch of transplanted English people who came who became American mm. who had been naturalized American citizens who then took down mighty England in the World Cup. So there was a lot going on here with Anspa. Um and the reason I bring up Anspa too is um in 1997, he was diagnosed as clinically depressed. He was, at the time, married to Roma Downey, who is the actress from Touched by an Angel, mm. who is currently married. Uh, they did the Bible movie. Uh, who did uh, Mark Burnett. She's married to Mark Burnett. Oh, right. So at the time, he went through this incredibly dark depression in the 90s. He, was, he eventually realized what it was. He went to a clinic, and he had to go into the... He lost the, like, he lost the marriage. Roma Downey would not stay married to him because of this. The, he had just caught, burnt too many of the, of the bridges there. And but it's interesting, and he talks about this whenever he goes into interviews and talks. This is a man who was successful with his career, but had hit a wall where he could no longer function. And it's just interesting how the arts community is filled with people like this who still create amazing work, and then have to climb back out to keep creating more work. Well, to to me, it's like, you know, when we look at other people in the world, we see them from the outside, yeah, and they seem so solid. Yeah. And frequently seem like, oh, you have it all figured out, you know, and we don't see the struggle on the inside. We can't see someone else's insecurity. We can't see their sadness, their depression. Right. And so the fact that someone, first of all, people in the arts are frequently more, have more of these things than other people. Yeah. And we see, we go, oh, you're successful. Yes. You know, so therefore you have the thing that I think I want. Yeah. You know, therefore, because I'm thinking, well, if only I had the three picture deal and the rich and famous contract from the Muppets. Yeah. You're set. I'd be, I'm good. <laughs> and even though we have all this evidence that that's not true because yeah. we see, you know, Robin Williams killed himself. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you see 
oh, obviously this person had all this stuff and yet they're an alcoholic, they're divorced, they're yeah. having, you know, the, it's not true. No. We continue to believe if only I have that external validation, I'll be happy. Right. And the other thing is that, um, and we see this over and over again, and this is where really listening to the Mark Maron podcast mm -hmm. really hit me with is that, sure, he made Hoosiers. Yeah. Sure, he made Rudy. Does he have the career he wants? Does he feel like he's successful? Right. Right. He might look successful to us, right. but he might have spent months and years and years and years struggling to get the thing he really wanted to get made made right. and no one will talk to him yeah you know and, so and his path know. is littered with success sure Dict emmys uh you know producing credits uh directing uh you know people loving the movies he's directed but yeah you're right what you perceive of your career yeah. versus what other people see you know well, what, what one thing i learned is that whatever level we're at there's somebody below us and there's somebody above us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so wherever you are, you go, because I've heard this all the time, like from actors will say, man, if only I could just get auditions. Yeah. I don't even care if I book the part. I just want to get auditions. <laughs> and then? And then they become the person who gets auditions and they go, God, I just want to book one thing. I don't care if it's a one line in a commercial. True. And then I'll be happy. And then they book that thing. It's like, I just want to get a guest star. I don't care. I don't need a recurring. Then they get the guest star. And what happens too is that then there's someone below, like let's say they're booking recurrings yeah. and the person below them or two steps below is like booking every once in a while, maybe getting a guest star. And they're looking at them going, God, why aren't they happy? Yeah. If only I, if I could be like them, I'd be happy. Right. You know, and that person is looking up at the next person yeah. going, I want to be like them. And it's, none of them are happy. No. Because this industry sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be an inspirational movie. <laughs> The movie, the, the podcast movie, isn't supposed to be yeah, inspirational. That's true, that's true. <laughs> we never said we're doing an inspirational podcast. <laughs> the movie true. is inspirational. <laughs> it is, it is. But I but I think this is this supports my point of view of life. My my life is a video game. No matter where you're at, the next level is even harder. And, yeah. there's, and, they, and you don't want to go back to that other level before that you already conquered. <laughs> and the big boss is about to show up, and you will soon see game over. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now you need to put in more quarters. And you, and, you have to, and you have to restart every once in a while and start over again. Uh, the film itself was shot in New Richmond. Uh, and that stood in for the fictional town of Hickory. As I said, it was based on the Milan uh, High School. Milan High School. It said, it's pronounced Milan High School. But they were not some plucky under under dog team they were they had won they had gone to the state semifinals the year before and then they had won the champ and then they actually won the champ and they were favored to win the championship so they weren't some team that came out of nowhere so they were a small school they were a, from small, a small town school. absolutely but they were had established being great exactly in fact oscar robertson is quoted because he played them in the semifinals of the year they won the championship and he said and it's a great people who know basketball history oscar robertson is one of the top 10 basketball players ever wow he's, he's called the big o and he's he said like Playing them was like playing a bunch of tiny mites running around all over the place, and I could never catch any of them, you know? And no. so, and if you want to see the game, the game is available on the special edition of Hoosiers, of the, the double disc edition. And which did you watch it? It came out on DVD. Yes, I've watched it before. And it's it's only like an hour long, the right. game, because those games are only 40 minutes long. And they weren't shot clocks. There were no shot clocks. And so right. you're just doing what you do. So yeah, it was shot in it was shot in Indiana. New Richmond stood in. Uh, they got a bunch of other schools high schools to be a part of this and come in and be you know in the stands and be these kinds of oh things. you mean when they're shooting the movie yeah when they were shooting the movie they had a lot of that coming in and in fact james dean dennis hopper says this in interviews that james dean when he was in high school played against mylon as wow. when he was in decatur he oh. played against mylon and so he understood now uh piso and Anspon, they shopped the script for two years before they finally found investment for the project and they only got approved for six million dollars 
Yeah. For a budget. Which is small even then. Yeah. Even then, that's a small movie. Absolutely. Which it, So that forced them to hire most of the cast out of and the extras out of New Richmond. So these guys that you saw in the film who play the basketball players are all people from Indiana except for one guy. And that's the actor who played Everett. He was coming out of Los Angeles. Mm. But everyone else played basketball in Indiana at that time. They played they were, and they were, you know, they were hired out of the local right. and it's amazing to me that they just found these guys to play these this team. You know what? Right. They look it. And yeah. that's one of the great things about the film is Absolutely. they look like Indiana high school basketball players. Right. They don't look like the, you know, you picture the CW version of Hoosiers. Yeah. You know, where everyone is gorgeous and ripped and that is, you know, that's not what we're seeing here. <laughs> yes. Agreed, man. Agreed. Speaking of casting, the um, uh, the producers and David Anspaugh were looking at a couple of actors, and initially, Jack Nicholson was very interested in the script, very interested in playing the Gene Hackman character, but he was doing My Two Jakes at the time, mm. and they were going to uh, file a lawsuit against him if he dropped out of the movie or created space to go make hmm. Hoosiers. So David Anspaugh asked him, like, who would you recommend? And he recommended Gene Hackman. Oh, really? Yeah. And they initially had looked at, and Harry Dean Stanton turned down the role that Dennis Hopper ended up taking uh, of Shooter uh, because for, he says he can't remember the reasons why he turned it down, but he turned it Not down. Not surprising. Yeah. And the other person that was dancing around at this time was Burt Reynolds in 1986. Huh. I don't know. I, that's As the coach, that's a whole other film. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's what's great about Gene Hackman in this role is that he completely embodies. You can believe that he was this guy that was that punched a kid when he was uh, in in uh, coaching and he was on a ship for 20 years in the Navy. Like you get all this background about the Norman Dale character and Gene Hackman I think embodies that. You know what's interesting just thinking about Jack Nicholson yeah. is that Gene Hackman has certain qualities like Jack Nicholson is dangerous. Yes. And intense. Yes. And Gene Hackman is certainly intense and can there can you can feel the danger there. Yes. You can feel some anger there. Sure, sure. But those edges are softened with Gene Hackman in a yeah. way that they're not generally with Jack Nicholson. Right. You know, and the other thing is that when you see when Jack Nicholson's in a movie most of the time. Yeah. That's Jack Nicholson in yes. the movie. Right. You know, we talked about when we talked about The Shining. Yeah. Where Gene Hackman, there's so much nuance that he brings. Yeah. That Jack Nicholson really wouldn't. Right. And Burt Reynolds, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I just can't imagine Burt Reynolds yeah. as Coach Norman. Particularly Dale. in 86, you're right. Yes. Because right. he hasn't, it's not like Burt Reynolds by the time we get to Boogie Nights. Right. You know, who's been through some stuff. No, it's Burt Reynolds who has just stopped being the mega star yeah. of the 80s and he's trying to get yeah. back on top. So I think we're happy. Yes, we're absolutely. Happy. Yeah. Well, and what's great, and to put a little uh, cherry on top of this cake, is that when the film came out and it was a success, Nicholson said to Onspa that it would have been a mega hit. If he had been the star of the film, of course. <laughs> uh, what was interesting is when they were making the film, Anspaugh talked about how Gene had him on the verge of a nervous breakdown. He gave him his first anxiety attack. He wow. said, one morning I woke up and I couldn't walk. The room was spinning. I thought every day on the film was going to be my last because, because Gene's agent was trying to get me fired. Wow. And yeah, he said the only thing that saved his job was the dailies. The producers said, "Look, David's not getting fired." We showed a half hour. They showed a half hour of dailies to Gene's agent, and he saw what they were actually trying to make. There's supposedly a two hour and forty minute cut of the film, mm -hmm. which, if you see the special features, if you have the special features, the deleted scenes are like thirty minutes long. How are they? Because I didn't get a chance to well, look. The scenes are great. Mm -hmm. uh, they they cut them out, and they make sense to cut them out. Right. You know, you don't want a sports movie that's going to be two and a half. It just doesn't make any sense about uh, that's longer than a basketball game. 
that it's profiling. That doesn't. Why we do podcasts that are longer than the movie we're talking that's about. That's what we do. That's right. <laughs> Especially when we have Scott Mance on here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the movie. Let's get into the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything you want to touch into? No, no. I'm excited. This is How am I doing, fun. Steve? How am I doing? It's great. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> All right. So uh, the plot starts out at night. The film starts out, which, which is with this incredible score from Jerry Goldsmith right from the beginning, right? We fade into the screen and we hear... This incredible, great music, and it's underplaying as this lone solitary car is driving down these long roads that don't look necessarily that, you know, like paved and uh, industrial. No, we're going out into the into into farmland, exactly into the heartland, exactly into agriculture, all that, right? So we see the farmhouses. So we get great shots of the vista of this town of Indiana, right? And there's a a gentleman who did a 20 minute film, which if you want to go watch it on YouTube, uh, about going back to visit all these places and they still look the same, Wow, which is amazing, right? Which is amazing. Uh, Anyway, so it's 1951. The guy driving the car is Gene Hackman playing the character of Norman Dale is the coach. Uh, He becomes a high school teacher and head basketball coach of the Hickory Huskers. Uh, he gets hired. We hear that when he arrives to the um, arrives to the high school, you know, it's a small little high school. He walks up. You hear the hardwood floors. He has this kind of interaction with Barbara Hershey, uh, which is a bit like uncomfortable, a little off putting. You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? <laughs> Younger. Yes. Oh, sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, no, I must have misunderstood Cletus. You see, he said he, he was hiring someone who never coached high school before. So I'm I coach in saw... college. Uh-huh. And I hear you're a new history and civics teacher as well. <laughs> That's part of the job, as I understand. Have an experience teaching? <laughs> Tell me something. Am I being interviewed here? I thought I already had the job. Straight up. You know, if everyone is as nice as you, country hospitality is going to get an awful name. A pleasant thing to say. One of the things I like about this, um, you know, one of the hardest things to do as a screenwriter, you got to get your exposition out. Yes. And we want to find out that there's some backstory about Gene Hackman. We yeah. want to hint at it. Mm-hmm. We want to get, and the question is, how do we do it? And one of the solutions is you always want to do this in conflict. Yes. You never want to someone just come out and say, here's some backstory. Yeah. But having her ask him about it, mm-hmm. and where did you come from, and creating mystery about it plants it and it also plants conflict between the two of them yeah and it makes it you're immediately intrigued with this guy right it's a really nice setup like oh what is this bad what is going on what 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 is the problem in the past exactly and what's so great about it too is that we've just been enjoying these vistas of indiana right and we get this feeling like it brings you back to this place of calmness and peace and comfort and 1950s right this idea of this more simpler time and he walks in and immediately is is confronted with this person questioning his motives, right. questioning what he's doing, um, and has to have an uncomfortable like yeah. conversation with her, which ends up being, in essence, a weird kind of courtship between them. So sure, uh, and well, is- we never have courtships that start off with like, "Hey, you're cool. I like you too." <laughs> Except if you watch like the Star Wars prequels, and that's why those aren't good. <laughs> okay, all right, fair. Um, so. He goes up into he goes up into the principal's office to see Cletus, uh, who is the his uh, who is his friend Cletus Summers. He goes in there, and that's when we have this kind of moment of vulnerability from Norman Dale, yeah. where he thanks him for bringing him on, and immediately. And this is what's so great about the script, is you sense that this is how people talked back then, right? He says to him, "Yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing. I just want to be repeating ourselves. Your slate's clean here. We got a job to do." Which is great because it's his way of saying, let's, it's done. Let's move on. There's no need to be constantly saying thank you to me. 
Right. Right. So Cletus, yes. the actor playing Cletus, yes. he sang Purple People Eater. The 1950s song or 60s song? Yep. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. The one-eyed, one-horned, flying, flying purple, purple people, people eater? <laughs> we will now cut to that song. Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. Ah! I commenced to shake him and I said, ooh it looked like a purple people leader to me. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader. And we're back. I had no idea. Neither did I. That's I brilliant. That this morning. Yeah. It, it, one of the things they mentioned, I got to listen to like half of the commentary track. And yeah. I didn't listen to the other half. But uh, is, uh, what's the writer's name again? Uh, Angelo Pizzo. Pizzo. Oh, so he, what he said or is Pizzo. when he... I guess maybe Pizzo, yeah. I don't know. Angelo. Yeah, sure. Um, Angelo. What Angelo says is that... Um, when he first wrote the script, he gave Norman Dale way too many lines. Oh. And he said, okay, I got to take him out. I got to take him out. Mm-hmm. And then they have their first reading and Gene Hackman comes up and he sees there are all these dog-eared pages and markings and he goes, uh-oh, you know, the actor's going to give me notes, which, you know, yeah. that could always be a little rough. And what Gene Hackman came up is he pointed all these lines and said, you don't need this line. I can act that. And you totally see that throughout this movie. Yes. Gene Hackman's performance... In the scene with Barbara Hershey, in the scene with the principal, you see all of those feelings. You see all of his past. Yeah. You see, and 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 we don't have to we don't have to say it. He's going to act it. Yeah. And he really does. Yeah. And having been having watched numerous documentaries or pieces in over the years on coaches, Gene Hackman radiates a coach. Totally does. Right. Absolutely. Right. And and, and this is a thing I was thinking about watching this movie is like. Why is it important that we have coaches? Yeah. You know, what what is a good coach? Because this movie is an exploration of what is a good coach. Right, and right. Coaches, whether it's your, you know, your karate sensei or your gymnastics coach or your soccer coach mm-hmm. um, or even a great teacher, yeah. they're really important people in our lives. Yep. And if we don't find the right coach, it's, it's going to hurt us. Yeah. For, you know, we all got to find them. Yeah. They're really important. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. why they're not a, man, a lot of good coaches. In any league, oh, in yeah. any profession, there are not a lot of good coaches because it's really difficult to be successful at coaching. Oh, yeah. You, know, you can get hired. It's real difficult to be successful, you know? Right. All right. So, and, and then he, you know, he's given, a, a, Cletus gives Norman Dale a tour through the high school to talk to him about the, what he's going to be doing, the task he's taking on. And then we see Jimmy and we meet Jimmy Chitwood for the first time. Uh, Jimmy's out in the court and he's taking shots he and in, not missing him, and not missing him, and he intro, uh, Cletus introduces Norman Dale to Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy doesn't shake his hand, doesn't say a word to him, just keeps shooting. Uh, the actor who played Jimmy Chitwood, I think his name is Malus, he uh, had four lines in the movie. Wow, that's it. That's a presence. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? None of those kids have a lot of lines. No. They, they have a presence, right. but not a lot of lines. No, no. And what's fun to watch about his performance, in my, in my opinion, is that he gets so much done. It's He's a master class in quiet acting. Yeah. And yet, this guy did not go on to do much else after this, even though he's shown that he can be a phenomenal actor without having to say a word. Uh, Maris... Valenus is his name, right? And he still shows up to the reunions. I've seen him on a number of, doing research for this podcast, number of reunions he still shows up and has conversations with, and he's great. Just a great guy in that way. Um, All right, so we get this idea that Jimmy is like this incredible basketball player, and he had a really strong connection to the former coach who's just died. Right. Right? That's why Normandale had this opportunity to come up. We find out that Normandale has been in the Navy for 20 years, 
uh, and there was something that happened. And he coached college ball or something. He coached, right. He coached we, we Ithaca, find, New York. Ithaca College, right? right? We find that later on, found out later on, but he's been on a boat this whole time. Yeah. So we always come back from the Navy. And he's kind of an old guy to have been in the Navy, but right. I think back then that was okay in the 50s. You could be just a regular Navy person. Like he, he's not they're, a. They're 50 year old. Sure, but they're usually like, you know, admirals or something like that. They're like higher ranking, but he's not. If not if you're not, not. I mean, you're in the military, but yeah. not if you're a non com. I mean, you go up and do your Master Chief or your, right. you know. Yeah, Master Chiefs. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's a non-com. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you were in the Army, yeah. so maybe you're not familiar with naval ranks. <laughs> no, we had Master, we had uh, Chief Warrant Officers in the Army. Yeah, Chief, Chief Warrant Officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's different. Yeah, but you, I mean, you, you know, there's, there's non-commissioned officers that yeah. you could be, you could be a petty officer, you could be a. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be a 50-year-old guy that wasn't an admiral or anything I guess. like that. I guess that's just me. I would want to get all the ranks as much as possible so anyway that's just me but but, but it, it is interesting because i'm always fascinated yeah. that we have this um uh dual system military this is off the top yeah sure it comes from the british navy that you had because it was really about gentlemen and men yeah and that as a because like i'm sure that if you met a master sergeant that was like a serious guy that's huge that's a huge guy yeah. but he is never but he's still going to sal- salute a yeah. second lieutenant yeah he is and, be, and that's because the lieutenant is on the gentleman track mm-hmm. and the and the master sergeant or sergeant major or something sergeant they're major. on the 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 uh men track yeah, the men track to to, to be <laughs> to, to use the old british terms <laughs> yeah and we still have this hierarchical system yeah and 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 gene hackman is very much and you know a he is not in the gentleman group. Nope, he's an NCO. Yeah, that's he's a non-commissioned sure. officer. That's for damn sure. Um, and it's weird to me that we still have this, you know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing the military. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's good reasons, but it's such a, such a strange system. Yeah. Um, anyway, off the topic. No, it's all right. All right, so then we meet uh, the townspeople. Yes. These these men who are like the dads, and um, they're this, not very nice. No, they're not very nice in no. this, like, haircut place. This town doesn't like change much. So we thought we'd get together here tonight and uh, show you how we do things here. We trust that you're a fine, upstanding, God-fearing man with Christian morals and principles who will, will set an example and a standard of leadership for our boys. Tell me, do you believe in man-to-man or zone defense? <laughs> Once again, we are introduced. It's so interesting, this film. It's kind of subversive in its way of deconstructing this idea of the good old days. Right. Right? The 50s, the good old, the golden generation, this kind of stuff, right? They are pretty much assholes to Gene Hackman as soon as, including Barbara Hershey, as soon as he shows up. Because he's a foreigner. He's an out-of-towner, right? He's, he's not necessary. He's not one of them. And so... They start to question him on whether he's going to run the zone or two three defense. If he's going to, you know, well, what? they don't just question him. Yeah, they tell him. Yes, they, they tell say, him. You're going right. to run a zone or man to man, right? You got to run. What do they say? You got to run zone on. And yeah, you've always run zone. Yeah, that's what we because they are it's always going to help. Blah, blah blah. And I'm going to use this term. This I'm not using this in any way political. Yeah, they are conservative. Yes. in the classic sense, which yes. is we are resistant to change. Yes, this is how we've always done it. Yeah, therefore that is right. This is what we. This is what you must do. Zone defense is all we've played in the past, yeah, and right. it's the only thing that'll work this year. Those guys think they can be coaching, the, and but it, once again, but this also speaks to this idea of fans right. thinking they know better than right. the coach, right? Yep. There's always fans watching and go, "Oh, why didn't you run that? Or they should have done that. They should have." And I'm guilty of it too. I will not deny that. But we all do it, right? 
Particularly when it's uh, the game's almost over and you're like, what? Why didn't you pass him the ball? He had a hot right. hand all night. Right. And I think we do that as fans of anything. We'll oh, yeah, watch a movie and be like, why course. would you cast this person? Or why would you cut there? Or why don't? Why didn't you put the scene in? You know, all those kinds of well, things. And one thing I know from directing, which is like coaching in its own way, yeah. is there are all these different people with all these different perspectives. <laughs> they don't know what I know. Right. Is that I know I know more than that. It's like, you don't know that that guy's ankle hurts. Right. You don't know that this person, you know, like, because and it's not that the coach isn't necessarily wrong sometimes. No, 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 no. It's just they're the only one that has, they have the best picture of everything that's actually going on. Right. Which the fan doesn't. Right. You know. And, and I love the way that Gene Hackman deals with it. I love the way that Norman He's deals with great. It. He hits that wall and he goes, It's been real nice talking to you. Good night. Yeah, and then he just walks out. And yet, because Gene Hackman is a great actor, yes. you see all the inside. Yep. And you're with him. You're like going, oh my God, how... He's angry and he's scared and he's frustrated yes. and he's going, is this going to be my life? Like, right. is, this is this is what I've signed up for. Right. I don't have any other choice. I have nowhere else to go. Yeah. All of that is in that it's been nice. Yeah. And he walks out. Because he knows yeah. if they push him, he's going to have an unfortunate inter- altercation right. with these people. Yeah. Right? There's, it's always He has this power always bubbling below the surface, yeah. which I love about him, this intensity. All right. So then we have him interact with Barbara Hershey again. A little more. A little more, which is even, even more. Which, she's not nice. No, she's really not nice to him yeah. because she's afraid that he is going to... Uh, corrupt his uh, her pupil Jimmy Chip. She has. We find out she has this connection with Jimmy. Well, and she and she's. You can feel the defensiveness of yes. her too. Yes. It's not just she's defending Jimmy. Right. It's that she isn't is unhappy and yeah. uh, and doesn't want to be hurt. She doesn't want to be touched. Right. She pushes people away. Yes, that's her natural thing. And and Barbara Hershey. I know we talked about her in the natural. Mm-hmm. She's really good at this kind of thing. Yes, like she as a she's she she you know. As playing a complicated character that's a little bit difficult, she's really good at that. She's a very powerful actress in that way. You're right. She commands her space and pushes you away when she wants to push you away. Yeah. And you earn. You have to earn her letting you in. Absolutely. Not just in the characters in the films, the audience as well. Oh, yeah. Which I we don't know how her. to feel about her. Exactly. You we know, because really we're don't. on Team Hackman at this moment. We are. And so she's not nice. He's our protagonist. So we're following yeah. him. Right. She's not nice. But all right. So then we have the first practice where he organizes the kids and he's, you know, he's like walking out. And we have the great Chelsea Ross. Chelsea Ross is one of the most amazing actors that you see in any sports movie. He's great in Major League. Yeah, he's mm, so yeah. he's so much fun. That's right, that's yes. who that is. Yes. Oh, you're right. Chelsea Ross is a fantastic guy in any sports movie you put him in. He can be. Are we going to do Major League on the Cinephiles? I hope we do Major League. I, I fucking really love like that, that movie. movie. Yes. <laughs> okay. We and we should get a guest for that. There's got to be one of those actors and come and do the show with us. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes. But um, what's so I like what what's so great about this uh, uh, scene to me is it once again he he is he knows what he's doing. He knows, Norman Dale knows what he's doing, and he has no shame in putting people in their place that he thinks need to be put in their place so that he can do the job he needs to do, because the kids are what matters here. The kids are what matters. And when he sees Chelsea Ross, and he's like yelling at them to just shoot the ball every time they get the ball, he knows that's not good fundamental basketball, right? And so he tells him... Well, first of all, let's be real friendly here, okay? My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. And he tells him to give him the ball. And the guy says, Look, mister, there's two kinds of dumb. A guy that gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon. And a uh, guy who does the 
Same thing in my living room. First one don't matter, the second one you're kind of forced to deal with. Translate. That's some sort of threat. And it's so great because he completely defangs him. He defangs him by doing that so that so much so that he bitterly mutters under his breath as he walks out. I don't think he defangs him. I mean, this is really? the, like, oh, I think so. I, in that moment, I, in that moment, I think he defangs him. Mm-hmm. But what he does is arm him for the future. Yes. Because and this is the thing is like, I love Gene Hackman. Yes. And there's no question that that guy's got to get kicked out of that practice. <laughs> there's no Absolutely. question about it. But there's also no question that Gene Hackman's methodology mm-hmm. maybe is going to get get him in trouble. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're. And it's so fun. Like it's the next moment is that now he's going to give his first talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. And immediately, the, I can't remember the player's names. Buddy. Buddy yeah. starts disrespecting Yes, him. by talking. And he just kicks him out. Yeah. And he is right, yeah, a hundred percent. And you, and this would go back to this thing of being the coach, mm-hmm. of being like, this is the rules, and you're going to play by. It. And right away, if you disrespect the coach, you're out. Yeah, you know. And having been, because I've been a sensei on a mat with a kids class, and having been in the position of getting disrespected, you know, yeah. it's a it's a hard one, and it's harder to it's different today too because I have all the parents sitting, you know, yeah, watching. Right. There's one moment where a kid took a swing at me. Um, I mean, I don't think it was that serious. Right. Whoa. But there was like two kids that were pretty, um, uh, well, there are two brothers who were pretty, they acted out a lot. Uh-huh. They, and I and we got the sense that there was some problems and problems at school and, okay. you know, some, some, and so they tended to cut up a lot. And I was kneeling, discussing, you know, showing something. Yeah. And he was to my left and he threw a punch at my face. Now... I don't know how serious that punch was. Right. But he threw a punch in my face and I caught it and I put him on the ground in a pin. Yeah. And I look and I was right at the edge of the mat and I look up and his mom is like two <laughs> feet from me, like eye to eye with me. Right. And I went, oh shit, like what's going to happen yeah. now? I didn't hurt him or anything. Right, right, right. Um, and the mom like nodded her head at me. Yeah. Smiled. She understood. She was like, well, and she was like, thank you, <laughs> you know, for this thing. But it's a weird position where, because you know, yeah. it's like you know, you're you're in local parentis. You are the you are the parent in this moment, yeah. and and the job of the coach is very different from the job of the parent. Yes, and what he does, he just kicks him out. Right. And what he's doing at that moment, if those guys never come back, his team's going to suck. Yeah, and he's what well, I'd rather have a team that cannot play. Yeah. than a team that does not listen. And I think this is the first moment for me where I absolutely fall in love with the character of Norman Dale. Yeah, because. He is a principled man, and he knows what works yeah. and what doesn't work, and he's willing to risk losing this opportunity because he has to do it his way, the right way, the way he knows that works because he has been a he has been a successful college coach, not high school coach, college coach, which is at whole level above. And so he knows his way works. He's got to find out how it works with these high school kids. And so he cannot have... He cannot be cordial and nice and, you know, stroking egos. He has to be, this is, you get out, you get, this is your, your coaching days are over. You talking, get the hell out of my practice. Because I have to have people who are committed to doing what I need to, them to do. And then we go right into that practice, right? Right. Into All training. That, into the training, right? Yeah. He's running them around, running them around. And there's like, when do we get to shoot? When do we get to do this? When do we get to do that? He's like, you don't, my practices are not designed for your enjoyment. And he's saying, we're not going to get run off the court. We're going to be a a team with a lot of endurance and a lot of ability to withstand 
long games to be successful throughout the entire 40-minute game. Well, and two things about this. One is it's about fundamentals. Yes. Is that you get the sense when he watched just walking in on that other coach, there were no fundamentals. It was all about just shooting. Shoot shoot the ball. Right. Just run down. As soon as you're open. You know, and not thinking about forming plays, not thinking about discipline, not thinking about position, all those other pieces. Something that I thought when I taught martial arts is – Push-ups aren't fun. No. There is nothing fun about push-ups. There's nothing fun about repetition. Yeah. There's nothing fun about, you know, painful stretches you might have to do in, in a Taekwondo class. Yeah. There's nothing fun about running the same, you know, dribbling up and down the court. Gut busters, yes. Alabamas, you know, all those things. They're not fun. Mountain climbers. Yeah, all, yeah, all those horrible things. Yeah. And what those are are the building blocks to be able to do the other stuff. Yeah. You know, is that you is that when you Doing any kind of sport, I mean, I'm not a basketball guy at all, but I know it's all the same, is is that if you have to think about that pass, if you have to think about dribbling the ball, you cannot do it well. You have to do it so many times that it is instinctual. Mm -hmm. And the only way to build that up is boring, difficult repetition over and over again. And that's what we see in this first practice. Yes, and he's teaching them defense, the fundamentals of defense. Hand down, one hand up, one hand down. That was the defense back then in the 50s. That's how you did defense back then. And he's showing them. He's running around the chairs, doing the passes, the chess passes. And I love this moment where uh, Ollie drops the ball and and uh, uh, Norma Dale says, hey, 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 let's be real clear about what we're after here. Wipe that smile off your face. This is not funny. The five players on the floor function as one single unit. Team, 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 right? No one more important than the other. Pop them, pop get rid of them. Come on. He doesn't want them to get like just so so repetition that they're not thinking too. He does not want them to be automatons. He wants them to do it so that it's it's without thinking, but also they know what they're doing. Like they understand why they're doing right. it, right? It's really important. You have to have the combination of both to be a successful coach. And then we have the dad show up, right? right? Who ends up becoming an assistant coach later in the film. He comes in. He has, And once again, this whole idea of country, Midwest, grounded. You know, he's this large man with these large jeans and huge denim jackets. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. But he's, and he comes in with his hat and, like his hat and hand initials yeah. to apologize for his kid. Back when dads would apologize for their asshole kids. And it's just I, so I've great. I've done a lot of apologies. <laughs> Well, it doesn't seem to be the norm nowadays, you know, and you hear that from a lot of sides of this uh, uh, teachers and coaches and what have you, you know, and he says to him, you know, kids get mixed up from time to time. And, you know, just, uh, you know, if he has any more, if you get any more trouble from him, you know, and the kid apologizes, he says, you're the, you're the, you're the boss. Uh, and, and Gene Hackman doesn't go, he does not go, okay, I get it. You're right. Come on. He says, he has that moment where he pauses and he looks at the kid and he goes, all right, there's an hour left of practice. Go get dressed. It's yeah. great. Well, and I think there's two value things coming up against each other. One is the value of the ta- town yeah. who wants to control this game of basketball yes. and control the coach and have them do it the way they've always done it. Right. And the other value is you respect your elders. Yes. And this is one that I, de- I 100% agree with you. We have yeah. lost a lot of. Yeah. And part of it is because we're kind of interested. We would like want kids to be more people and all that stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't disrespect your elders in this man. No. You don't walk out on the coach. Right. The coach is the coach. Yeah. You know, like maybe down the line, if you have a problem with the coach, we might have to deal with that. Yeah. But in the first practice, you give that coach respect. Exactly. Or and and, and again, Gene Hackman's right. Or get the hell off my court. Right. You know exactly. And that's what he does in that moment, right? He says to him, you know, and so he comes back, and so there we have that whole sequence. And then the the dad turns around, and I love how he like just and, takes him out. And just to end this, he's taking out the sheriff, the town sheriff. He's taking these people who who logically would have more authority over this guy. 
But because it's a small town, he knows everybody. Right. And so you imagine he was one of these guys that because he was so big the whole time as he grew up, he automatically had the respect. He was a strong, quiet, side, yeah, he very grounded quiet, quiet guy. big man power. Yes, exactly. Like, I don't need to raise my voice. No. And he turns around and he says to them, he says, boys, this man's got a job to do. Right. And, he's gonna get out. and he, the sheriff, this little midget sheriff is like protesting the whole time. Yep. And he steers him out. And I love that. I just absolutely love that. Then we go to the diner with uh, Cletus and yep. Gene Hackman, Norman Dale. They're having pie. And we have the introduction of Dennis Hopper. My friend, my good friend. Friend of years, friend of tears. You're looking fit and fiddle. Velvet Shooter Flatch. This is Norman Dale, our new coach. How are you? Coach. And Hopper is uh, a drunk, the town drunk. And then, of course, because what happens and what we've seen before in, in movies and what we've seen before in life, people get caught in this greatest moment of their life that they're never able to repeat again. Right. Or get past, and so they're caught in the past in a cycle, and they and the alcoholism is driven by that. It is a way of numbing the pain of his real life, and he has to go back to these moments where he was a god shooter. Yeah, he was shooter. He was, he was shooter. what he was. Right, exactly. But what he brings up is the memory where he missed the yeah. shot, which is of course what is also underneath this feeling of being a loser in his mind. Yeah. Well, this is what's so fraught with peril mm-hmm. of, of things like this. Yeah. Because for every team that wins at the last second, there's a, just as we talked at the beginning, yes. you yes. lose at the last second and you tear over that. You know, it's like you got the sore in your mouth and your yeah. tongue can't stop going to it. Yeah. You know, like you just go back to that memory. If only, if only, if right. only. It'll ruin you. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you'll ever experience this, Steve, but losing twice in the schmodown really sucked. Let me just I'm tell you. Sh- Losing on a last question is the worst feeling in the world. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure. Bespin ruined me for months. Like, I just was over and over and over again thought about it yeah. because I was not going to lose again. You know, I was so determined. And then when I lost to Mark Ellis, the same thing. I was like, I'm not going to lose again on a last question. Yeah. You know, and, so. and, yet, and yet, there have to be losers. Yes. And I don't mean like you're a loser. No, I no, mean, no. like, if every time you play, yeah. somebody's got to lose. Yeah. For all the people I beat. Yeah. I ended up losing, you know, on the last question three times because I lost to Mark Riley on the last question right. as well. You know, so it just it happens. Right. But you you just get back on a horse and keep fighting. Except in the case of Dennis Hopper. He did not. He does not. Right, he does. He does not. One of the things I love in the scene. So yeah. first of all, uh, there's also the son that comes up because yes, he's trying to beg some money and right. Everett comes up and says, give it up. Right. And he gives the money back. I, I would recommend everyone watch this scene and just watch Gene Hackman. Yeah. Who says nothing. Yep. And his... You can see all the processing happening mm-hmm. in his face mm-hmm. of, and, and there is uh, discomfort mm-hmm. and compassion and feeling for the, his player yeah. and feeling for the principal and feeling for shooter, for shooter, yeah. all happening at the same time Maybe. in a man that says nothing. Yeah. And I think you can watch the principal to the the actor yeah. plays the principal too because he looks down out of like I because that's country values. You don't get involved between a father and a son. You don't push the son to let the father accept the money and blah blah blah. Like he doesn't do that. He makes and this that's the actor who's the only he was the only actor to come out of L.A. Oh yeah, Everett, yeah. He's the, that actor who played Everett. Uh, he's, he's good. He's yeah. he's really good. He's really good. Yeah. And he had a couple more movies after this. Yeah. And, and but it's so it's I think and it's a great uh, and Dennis Hopper once again this is idea Dennis Hopper got nominated for an Oscar for this it's the beginning like his intro the intro is so good yeah you you immediately feel for this guy but you you know this guy and it's a weird thing we talked about him in Apocalypse Now yeah and it's like it, it's in Apocalypse Now he plays a drugged up yeah. messed up guy yeah. and he was a drugged up messed up yes. guy famously in the newspaper as yeah. Hollywood one and now he's doing this part. 
this one is so fundamentally different from what we see in Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. Because Apocalypse Now is this big caricature. Right. And it's and it's an amazing performance sure, and an amazing sure. movie. But this is nuanced mm-hmm. and human and, and tough. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a Dennis Hopper we haven't seen. Yeah. Right? It's so fantastic. All right. So then we go back to Jimmy. You know, yeah. Hackman walks over to Jimmy. Jimmy's shooting the uh, shooting the baskets out on this uh, dirt court right. right in the backyard. And I love that it's the shot from the uh, high school, right, through the window, down, and seeing him. Oh, right? yeah. Right? Because he's shooting and all this kind of jazz. Uh, and he sh- you said he, ma- he makes 15 baskets in a row. So, so, when they, so they had it all in a wide shot. And yeah. one of the main shots, yeah, he made 15 in a row. And they wanted to stay on it. But then because of timing and when he missed the shot didn't hit at the right moment right. and they didn't get hackman's performance things they had to cut it up but yeah, yeah he made a lot right but they also widened the hoop and they uh loosened the net and they yeah. pulled air out oh, of the ball, <laughs> all of which makes it a little bit easier you bastards you you ruined it my oh steve morris loves to ruin magic of film i you just like bastard. to tell the truth if truth is ruining things for you but 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 to be clear yeah if if you gave me a wide hoop and a and a yeah. deflated ball, I'm not making 15 in a row. That, and wow. most of his baskets are swishes. Yeah, they are. So therefore, that the any manipulation they did had no effect. Yeah, that's a good point. He made some good shots. He really did. Yeah. And and the producers talk about. Oh, the director Anspaugh says that about him as we get further in the film. But this is the scene, and I got a bit confused. This is the scene. Like they have this scene with Hackman and Jimmy Chitwood, Norman Dale and Jimmy Chitwood out there, and. It's once again, this is Normandale establishing principle. Establishing, he says, You got a special talent. A gift. Not the schools, not the townspeople, not the teams, not Myra Freeners, not mine. It's yours. To do with what you choose. Because that's what I believe. I can tell you this. I don't care if you play on the team or not. And Jimmy misses his first shot after he says that to him. Yeah. Which I think is great. I agree. And it's that whole thing because he's cracking Jimmy. Yeah. You know, he's cracking him a little so, bit. So, well, let me ask you this question. Though. Yeah. When he says, I don't care if you play on the team or not. Yeah. Is that true? No. Not true. He's working him. Okay. As is, a he good only coach working, is he only working him? What do you mean, is he only working him? Well, so there are levels of, of meaning. Yeah. So one is... All the only reason I'm here is to get you on my team, and the right. thing I'm going to tell you is I don't care about you being on a team. This is a hundred percent a lie. Right. There's another version which is the I kind of like you on my team. Yeah. But I'm not going to pressure you. I know this might kind of get you on my team, yeah. but if you don't play on my team, I'm going to be okay with that too. Right. That's what I mean by a hundred percent. Is it is it is it a full on Jedi mind trick, or is it a is there some part oh. of him that's not pressuring him? I always thought it was two or three levels in that one. He was working Jimmy to get him on the team. Right. Because he also wanted Jimmy to respect him as a coach. Right? Right. And I think he I think he because he had direct he had coached so many young kids, so many kids, he knew the kind of kid Jimmy Chitwood was. And he knew because all good coaches, managers, teachers, directors, whatever will tell you, you never coach all the same players or teach all the same people or direct all the same people 
actors in the same way. Yeah, it's everybody always, it's always is different. Be different. Right. It's yeah. everybody's, everybody has different motivating factors. For Jimmy, he probably understood, probably from conversation, conversation with Cleet, it's like, of course, I'm creating this fantastical extra story here, but it can be a level that he could play. Is Hackman understood that the reason Jimmy loved this coach was because this coach was all about fundamentals as well. And so the way he was going to lure Jimmy back into the team was to show him that he was a principled person who believed in the fundamentals of what is good and teamwork. It was, he was, he's telling Jimmy, you are not going to be above the team. We, I don't care if you play on the team or not, because it is a team. So if you come to play, you're on the team. You are not the star of my team. And that's what he's trying to say to him. Everyone's kissing your ass. I'm not going to kiss your ass. If you come and play for me, you're going to come and be equal like everybody else. And also, he understands that Jimmy is dealing with the death of this coach, which is probably a father figure for him. And so he wants to show, he wants to tell, show him, like maybe lure him back into basketball because by playing is how he's going to grieve this correctly. So I agree, I agree with half of what you're saying and I completely disagree with half of it. It's fine. So, so where I agree with it is that he's definitely saying, you're going to come, you're going to be on a team. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to treat you as a star. Right. He's saying I have integrity. He's saying this is about morality yeah. and all of those things. Totally agree. Where I don't agree is where you said that Jimmy's previous coach was probably about fundamentals and all of those things because clearly that's not true. Because the if, if the previous coach had been all about fundamentals, yeah. then the town fathers would not be reacting the way they are. Because clearly the game they had been playing was the shooter's game. It right. wasn't a fundamentals game. They don't understand that. It wasn't about team. They, the, the whole way the town has been set up is about Jimmy being a star. Right. And, and so if the previous coach had had that, I think the previous coach was, and again, this is also fantastic. Right, right, right. But I think the previous coach was a deeply moral person yes. who had a real connection with Jimmy, yeah. who was beloved. Yeah. But he probably was more of a pushover with the town. He was mm. probably... Because he's from the town. Because he's from the town. Right. He was one of them. And he probably played the game of basketball exactly the way the town wants uh, Norm to play the game of basketball because right. that's the way we've always done it. Right. Well, exactly the way the town wants him to play because this coach had played it that right. way. So right. the, the coach had created the taste in the town for the, so I think this coach was successful as what he what he was doing uh, up to a to, certain point. To a certain point. Right. Well, and, and, so I and think just, I, I think your point is is valid. Ju- yeah. Just as you could be successful, you know, talent is talent, and if yes. Jimmy is great, yes. they were. Pro- I, mean, I think they said they were. You know, ten and seven or something yes. like that. Yeah. Is that they, they had a winning season? Yeah. They didn't have a great season, and right? Because and they had a winning season because Jimmy's the best basketball player in the area, right? And they played pretty well, and the coach was a great guy, but not. But but Norman is a very different person, yes. from what that previous coach was. Yes, has to be. Yes, in my opinion, and that's a good point. That's yeah. a great point. And so, and then we have that scene in the school, and then they have this conversation with him and Barbara Hershey. She has told him, "Stay away from Jimmy," and he says, "I, I, I you'll be the first to know," right? Yeah. And now he's gone behind her back to go to talk to Jimmy. And she catches him because she watches it from the high school window. Right. And so then he comes up uh, in his leather jacket. I love that. That's a nice, nice leather jacket. Hey, it's a beautiful leather jacket. Yeah. He's great. Walked through the whole film. Yeah. And so he comes. And then Myra Fleener's there. Barbara Hershey's character is there. And she's, she's like, she has this ang- She's angry. Yeah. But she's like composing herself because you see her rubbing her head. Like, it's a great physical characteristic. Yeah. And she says to him. He's a real special kid. And, and I have high hopes for him. And. I think if he works really hard, he can get an academic scholarship to Wabash College and can get out of this place. Why, do you have something against this place? For him, yes, I do. He could do better. She gives the argument against sports, which you hear from a number of people, male or female, who that this idea that just because you throw a round ball into a metal hoop, 
Right. You're a god, right? And he says to him, you know, some people would kill to be a god just for a day, just for a yeah. day. And she says, gods come pretty cheap nowadays. And then she says, why? All? And, he, and Hackman finally breaks her down and says, why all the negativity? Why all the uh, meanness, like to a degree? And, and she says, just stay away from Jimmy. I don't want him coaching in Hickory when he's 15. Yeah. And that's like that's brutal. Oof. Where do you get off right. saying that to him? And I love what Gene Hack, what Dorman Dale says. He says, what I'm doing here has nothing to do with you. It right. is that way of like they're, they're drawing their battle lines. Well, and the thing right. too, saying, I don't want him coaching in the uh-huh. 50s. Well, where are you? Yeah. You're, you're teaching here. Right. You seem to have no prospects of leaving. Right. And so you're saying, she, it's, she's talking about herself on some level because yeah. she's looking at her own future down the line yeah. and hating it. She is not happy where she is. Well, it's all, and she has that moment where she, and, and uh, Angela Pizzo does a great job of giving her these lines where she exposes this idea of the small town, right? Yeah. It's still, even nowadays, we have that terrible term flyover states, right? This idea right. that the Midwest is always forgotten, right? It's a small town to train doesn't even stop here like this whole idea of it being this place doesn't even show up on most people's maps that's her line right it's because she it's it's because it's it's, she's forgotten this is forgotten and we find out later that she's come to this running from her having been in the big city uh, having had a relationship fall apart and coming back to a place of comfort for her and yeah you're right steve i think there's a lot going on for her as an actress uh as a character as well that she's processing and using jimmy in a way to negotiate that or work that out. Because you don't respond to a stranger just walked into a place with that level of negativity. Yeah. Unless you got some stuff going on. Exactly. You know, Or you're assuming a lot about what they're going to do right. without even talking to them first. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. And he, she completely undercuts him as a human being like that he's here. You know? She's not supportive of a man who's fallen down and is trying to climb back up. She... Undercut, she cuts his legs out from under him with that line. And he's strong enough to withstand it, but it's still a powerful line, man. And I think this brings to, like us to a, like a fundamental point about this film. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't sure where I was going to bring it up, but what this film to me, one of the main things it's about is what is a value to yeah. us? Yeah. And what she is saying is the idea of winning in that moment yeah. that we discussed that everybody thinks that's a value and that actually isn't a value. Right. Um, and we see with Shooter the consequences yes. of someone who's put everything in that moment. Yeah. And we see with Gene Hackman, as we're going to learn in, in, a little bit later, yeah. of what his desire to win has done to him. Right. And so there's this other value, which I think the film really becomes about, which is, is there value in teamwork apart from winning? Right. Is there value in coaching apart from winning? Yeah. Is there value? So it, it, whether, whatever happens with that moment, mm-hmm. what do we get out of it? Yeah. And I think the exploration of that is something that's really important, but it's also really subtle yeah. in the film. Yeah. Like it's not, this film isn't pushing a message at you. Well, it is some, I mean, like definitely teamwork is definitely a message in here. Sure. Hard work is definitely a message. You know, that that's true. But it's an inherent message. It's not an overt message. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, I mean, no, I think it's fairly overt, but, but it's, you know, cause he's saying teamwork, 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 you know, over and over. Four and over passes, again. four passes. Yeah. Right. Then we get to the team rally. And they're all, you know, they, it, which is kind of a depressing team rally because it's horrible. Initially, they're they're cheering and the, you know he, they come running out, and you see the nervousness of these guys, right? Which is so yeah. great to see this on these actors and these high school players. They're wearing their gold, you know, the yellow gold uh, outfits, and they're running out. Ollie misses his layup, you know, which is perfect, and just gives you that idea. And so they're all come running out, and then 
they have the microphone set up, they're standing there, and all of a sudden, just real quietly, which is what fans do sometimes, this chant starts up, we want Jimmy, we want Jimmy, we want Jimmy. And Hackman, who had been on the sidelines, walks out to the mic. This moment is horrible, by the way. Yes, it is. The, the disrespect and the cruelty of we want Jimmy yeah. with the, those guys standing out there is awful. Yeah, it's basically saying you guys are losing. You're not going to win. Yeah. You guys are not enough to win. We don't care about you. Yeah. You don't represent us. Right. Yeah. You're not enough to win. We yeah. need Jimmy. Yeah. And we want Jimmy. And so Hackman comes out, which is great. Once again, he has these incredible moments throughout the film that establish him as a guy trying to do the right thing by these kids. Absolutely. And he says, I would hope you It's a great speech. Yeah. And and it, this it, is your team. Yeah. And what's great is he's but and this is what's hard with his character. Yeah. He is saying exactly the right thing. Yes. And the thing he's saying, he's saying out of compassion and the right moral stance. Yes. And it does not uh endear him nope. to this town. No. <laughs> it feels very angry. And, and, and it's just like And disciplinary. It's almost yeah, disciplinary. He scolds them. Yeah. Um and this is where the military thing comes into play, too. He scolds them because that's the military. That's how military does it. Yeah, because they're, like, they're wrong. Well, you need right, and you need to do this. Yeah, you know, and they cast the extras from uh, from all the local high schools, yep. local areas, and all the kind of jazz. Put them, in, which I think is great, and it gives that real authenticity to the film. Absolutely. All right, so then we get the first game, right? Mm-hmm. With they 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 they're coming in, and you know he's got Cletus as assistant coach, the principal. That just right. let you know, like just to sit what, there, what kind of town this is, right? Is how small this town is, and and we see this whole thing, and this is such a great exploration of what what his what this it's you, you would think in a sports movie the first game you know he's been teaching fundamentals he's been doing these kinds of things that they're all going to come together and have this fantastic first game and it's all going to work and the exact opposite happens and, and they're like losing and they're, they're turning over the turning the ball over they're not able to function as a team yet which is going to happen even the vaunted miami heat when Dwayne wade and lebron james and chris bosh came together had trouble gelling no matter who the stars are basketball styles you have to play in game to understand and learn how your teammates move and function with an offense especially when you're installing a new offense like Hackman was doing with these kids they're going to be growing pains that's part of it and that first half of that when we see in the game shows you the growing pains and the townsfolk now have the ammunition they need to crucify him right Right. they go after him they're yelling and what are you doing well because what Hackman is asking to do is Make four passes four before pass? you shoot the ball. That he wants to be them to be a ball movement team, yes, not a shooter's team, right? You know, and you could see from the perspective of the crowd why they aren't happy. Yeah, is that nobody's shooting the ball, which is what they came to expect. It's yes. not working. Right. Their defense isn't setting up right. Nope. And and you could see the failure. And one of the things I love, and again, it's how good an actor yeah. Hackman is, is you can see his real nervousness. His discomfort, his frustration. Yeah, you know, he is not the calm, cool, collected coach. I know what I'm doing all the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, he he might be right, but it's still he doesn't always feel that way. Right. All right. So they go to halftime, right? And uh, on the heels of this terrible first half, where they're not gelling and they've turned the ball over, and they're you know the crowd's turned on them, and Hackman walks in there, and 
the door isn't even closed for more than a few seconds before that sheriff comes barreling and yeah. starts yelling at Gene Hackman, asking him what he's doing. Cletus stops him, ushers him out, and Hackman says to Cletus, like, I don't want anybody in this locker room at halftime. I'll keep him out of here. All right. I'm trying hard to believe that you know what you're doing. And Hackman, in his defiance, I love this guy, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing, right? But in that defiance is the insecurity. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that's what's Which is why he's high-pitched. Yeah. Which is why he's high-pitched. Yeah. And so he's telling him the four passes and everything. Four passes, four passes and everything like that. What do I want to see out there? Four passes, four passes. And they say... Yeah, right. And what's so great about it, and what's really good in our, our young sort of unknown actors, yeah. is the anger towards Hackman yeah. is very, very clear because what he's asking them to do at this point feels like losing. Yes. And it feels like losing in defiance of the crowd that yes. has turned on them. Which is their townsfolk. Their town. Their dads and moms. You're filled with hatred yeah. towards yeah. them. And now they have to go to and do it again. And so it's perfectly understandable yeah. why Raid, is that his name? Raid, yeah. Raid sa- says, I got a shot. Yeah. And I'm going to take it. He starts taking it because he wants that love. And he's a young yeah. kid. He's a high school kid. And he has the shot. Yes, he has the shot. How and he makes them. That? And he makes them. Yeah. And what does the, the crowd think? They're, they love it. Because he's making the baskets, it. yeah, right. So what does Hackman do when he makes a shot? He gets, he gets. A, I think initially he he is uh, accepting and understanding uh, that it's an impertinence of a young kid, and then takes him out of the game. Takes benches, him out of the game. Benches him. And and so for, if you're at a, a game, yeah. and the one guy that started making shots gets pulled out, yeah. And you're in the crowd. How do you feel? Yeah, you're, they get upset. They get but, upset. But they still pat him on the back as he's walking by. But yeah. the kid knows he messed up. Yeah. Right? He has that look on his face. He is a kid always knows when they've messed up. It's hard to feel like you messed up when you just made a basket. It's true. But you can see the look on his face oh, that yeah. he knows he's being benched because Hackman's or oh, Normandale's mad at him. And all he goes in. And what's the next thing that happens? Guy falls out. Guy falls out. Those who, and the kid, the, so Raid automatically jumps up, starts running back in the game, pulling off his jersey. And Hackman says, where are you going? No, what's, what's interesting, because it's a really nice moment. Yeah. He doesn't jump up right away. Oh, yeah. He looks over, he right? Looks He's at like, Hackman why aren't going, you calling me? You should send me in. Yeah, you should send me in. Then he kind of goes, I guess I should just go in on my own. Yeah. <laughs> and so he starts getting getting in, and then Hackman says, where are you going? I love this. One of my favorite line deliveries. Sit down. <laughs> I just yeah. love the way he says that to him. Sit down. And the ref comes over, like, yeah. you're going to present another player? And and I think, what does he say? My, my team's team. on the floor. My team's on the floor. Yeah. That's Defiance. a good coach. We got only four players, and the crowd is furious. Yes. And you cut around to different reaction shots, and you see Barbara Hershey has sort of a odd reaction shot. She's not angry because she doesn't care about basketball. Right. And then you cut to Dennis Hopper. Yeah. And he is smiling. Yep. And that is so important because you see, of all the people yeah. in the gym, yeah. Dennis Hopper understands. Mm-hmm. It's really important. You're right. You're right. He knows exactly why he's doing what he's doing, and he respects it because he, he has that little head like, ah. He has yeah. a little head shake and smile. Yeah. Great reaction shot. Absolutely. And he does this great character. He does this great physical moment where he has the game plan in his little like folder and he shakes the folder at the crowd. In yeah. defi- like, you guys will see. You guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. You guys will or see. Or just, I'm the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's saying, yeah. I think you're right. He's certainly saying, uh, you'll see. It's once again, we had this idea. He has these principles. He's these moments where his principles are tested and he will not divert from them. He will not be moved away from them because he knows what works. What's interesting up to this point, and I totally, you're with Hackman. Yeah. You agree with him. I do. What's interesting, uh, thinking about the movie more, is yeah. that up to this point, he is completely rigid. Yes. In his principles. Yes. He is inflexible, mm-hmm. and I will say to a fault. Yeah. Well, okay. 
Well, we're going to see what happens when we get to the end of the movie. <laughs> um, right. That's a good point. Is that is that he he is just when a guy comes off the court and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, this guy's doing this." We can. He says, "You don't talk." Yeah. I talk. Right. He is he is completely inflexible. Yeah. Um, so so then we go back into the locker room. The game's over. They've obviously lost. Yeah. They go in the locker room, and Hackman and Norman Dale is like, "Those of you on the floor at the end, I'm proud of you." Played your guts out. I'm only going to say this one time. All of you have the weekend. Think about whether or not you want to be on this team or not. Under the following condition. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. Which... I've heard in numerous situations uh, uh, at high school, I've heard stories from other people who've had this experience, and that's what happens. You get tested. Yeah. This is the deal. Are you in or are you out? You know? What do you think about that? I agree. <laughs> okay. And what he says, Sorry, what, what he says, what I say about this team is the law. Yeah. And that's a love. In that way that only Hackman can yeah. do it. Um, Nobody screams better than Hackman. Not even Pacino. Nobody screams better than Hackman on screen. Well, the, hey, I, I don't know. We had to have a con. I have to, I have to go through and think about that. Hackman's is really good. He's the best. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Uh, all right. So then we go the next day, or probably a couple of days later. You know, it's Monday morning in the town, and and like you know, there uh, he walks by the uh, the hair cutter or whatever's in there, the barber that's there, and hair cutter Jesus, the barber that's there, and they make the joke. So you're going to try to w- win with three next time, you know. The, so he's getting these barbs, right? Yeah. And then he runs into uh, Barbara Hershey's mom, Marba, yeah. Myra Fleener's mom, and she is once again, she's one of these tough country women. Good character. She's carrying yeah. bags of feed into her, into her truck, and she says, uh, Sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day, but, mister, you ain't seen a ray of light since you got here. I believe it's time we had a talk. So she invites him to dinner, yeah. right? So they have dinner, and uh, Barbara Hershey is totally, resi- Myra Fleener is totally resisted this idea, and she gives him a look before she jumps into the truck. Uh, and they, they end up having a nice conversation. It's a really nice scene yes. with him and Barbara Hershey. Yes. Um, and they sort of, you know, yeah, it's the thawing of the relations. Yeah, it's yeah. not thawed. No, but it is warmed up a little bit. Yes, right. Every game my brother ever played was the most important thing ever happened to this family. Mother would be able to sleep the night before, and if they lost, Daddy walked the floor until morning. I just could never figure out why it meant so much. Not to that extreme. I don't get it. Well, what are you doing here? Living in Hickory. I haven't always been here. I went to college three years, graduate school a year. Graduate school? Surprised? You sound like my father. He thought it strange I ever wanted to leave town. Kept telling me I'd be back. Of course, he was right. Why'd you come back? Didn't work out. Daddy died, mother got sick, I had to come back. But it's very interesting because she, and that's when she like kind of opens up and, you know, and this is when you connect with people is when they talk about their lives and their past and, sure. and she's talking of the reason, and you, to, you start to understand Myra Fleener, her anger too, because she's a bit jealous that her brother was the star of the house. You know, yeah. everybody lived and died by his basketball games. Nobody lived and died by Barbara Hershey's accomplishments as a student or as when she got to the big town, the big city, and did what she did there. Nobody lived and died by that. They all lived and died. When she said, dad would pace the floor till morning, 
or mom would pace the floor yeah. till morning. You know, that's how deep Indiana basketball is. And, and by the way, I totally agree with her about the disproportional nature of certain sports or even disproportional nature of sports. Sure. You know, it's like if you're the on the college football team. Yeah. And you're and someone else is on the college water polo team. Sure. And you are the best. Your, your college water polo team is number one in the country and yeah. your football team sucks. Yeah. You get no attention on that water polo. Nobody team. cares. No one cares. Right. And I remember being in the college <laughs> theater department, and I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, the sports industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and people yes. who are the best people coming out of college sports get people scouting them for millions yes. and millions of dollars. Yes. The entertainment industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry mm -hmm. where people get paid millions of dollars, but nobody comes to scout the theater program to find their next star. Well, agents do. Not they not. do showcases. Yeah, not 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 if you went to Cal. Oh, really? They didn't do showcases. We might have done a showcase, oh. but, but but it's not. There is you, there is no comparison between who came to well, the Cal football game, right. and who came to the Cal theater. Well, because you can ha you can go watch these games uh, constantly, as opposed to productions which are every six months or every four months, whereas games are every week. Or twice a week sometimes. So there's more there's more opportunity. I'm just pointing out that the, the, the that it is disproportionate. Well that's fair. Is that is that there's a lot of attention paid to a very small number of people in a very small number of sports. Yeah, well, and they're all they're all sorts of high school kids who are doing or, awesome science fairs or, and poetry readings and nobody cares about Yeah, because that. no one's it's not a, it's not a, no one's buying a ticket to see this guy do his science. I return to th actors where they do or band. Yeah, musicians, people spend lots of money on. What are we working oh, and, on? Steve, and, what are we working out here? And, and, and I'm going to take it one step further. <laughs> yes. Science fair, Bill Gates, yeah. Steve Jobs, sure. millions and millions of dollars. Absolutely. Do not get the attention in high school nope. that the football player does. They don't. All right. Maybe I had a... I'm sorry, I feel better. No, I'm glad we worked it all out. I'm glad you let me lay down on the couch while I did that because it was, <laughs> I felt more relaxed. Okay. All right. So Shooter comes to visit the uh, visit uh, Norman Dale. He is uh, just having a conversation, right? <laughs> what did you feel about that? When Shooter comes to visit, yeah. it's not just having a conversation, right? He is a drunk guy with a mission. He is. You're playing Cedar Knob tomorrow. Ain't nobody knows him better than me. I've been watching how you've been breaking the Colts, but my friend, you cannot play them all the way, man on man. They got no head toppers. Cedar Knob, a bunch of mites. Run you off the boards. You got to squeeze them back in the paint. Make them chuck it from the cheap seats. Watch that purgatory they call a gym. No drive, 12 foot in. That'll do. What's, what I love, again, is Gene Hackman's performance. Yeah. It's Gene Hackman's, who has been pressured by everybody in yeah. the town, yeah. saying, I know better than you. He doesn't have that reaction to Dennis Hopper. No. He knows, and Dennis Hopper says a thing, I see how you're trying to break the Colts. Yeah. And I think that's the moment where he goes, oh, somebody understands what I'm doing. Yes. And for whatever reason, I don't understand really what Shooter said. Right. But he understands that Shooter actually knows what he's talking about. Well, and this is what's ironic about the Shooter character, because the Shooter character is the one that uh, softens the edges of Hackman's coaching, right. of Norman Dale's coaching. Not Hackman as an actor, but Norman Dale's a coach. Right? Because he says to him, I see how you're breaking the young Colts, but... There's right. another way to do it. He's trying to tell him that he's being a little too hard on the kids because he expects them to be college-level players in high school. Well, and he's also saying that in relationship to the next game you have, right. what you're doing isn't a right, the right fit. Yes. 
Yes. You know, and that's where Hackman starts to, or Normandale starts to see that. Oh, this this guy could be a scout because yeah. he has played all these co- high schools and he has watched every these, game, every game, every, and he's familiar with the coaches. Because yeah. back then, high school coaches coached for thirty years the same team. It right, wasn't sure. about like, you know, it wasn't like it is now, which is like five years, then you're out and stuff like. That, if you don't win, you know. So then the next game, they're playing away, and once again, Ray talks too much. Gets benched, but Buddy is back out of nowhere. Right. Which is one of these uh, deleted scenes that if you want to, if you have the Blu-ray uh, or the DVD, you can see the scene where Buddy comes back. It's not that integral to the scene, but Buddy is back. So you assume, and we accept that, you know, he got it and maybe Norman Dale reached out and was like, come back to the team. Which is funny. Hard for me who hasn't seen it a whole lot. Yeah. I'm like, which one is the guy that left? And you uh, seem to have seven players now, but right. I don't remember which is the, you know. Is the one with the crew top. With the yeah, crew no, top. I have, because yeah. I kind of watched it twice. So now I recognize right. it. Right. First time I wasn't sure. Right. So then we have this situation where they're uh, they're playing in the gym. They're, they get these. They get, they get into these foul situations, and uh, Hackman has his altercation with the other rat, with the other coach. It's bad enough we got to play in this cage you call a gym. Your players are playing like a bunch of gorillas. And uh, the player, one of the opposing teams, player, pokes. Yeah. Gene Hackman in the. This is an adult. He's right. poking an adult in the chest. He says, "Who are you calling a gorilla?" And then out of nowhere, you for one, you for one, and then he goes bust off, and then out of nowhere, Raid comes in with a punch. The player that he had, who, who was not listening to him, who was he was he was the most difficult to discipline, is the one who steps up in his to defense, defend him to yeah. defend him. Yeah, yeah, is this so great? And then the ref kicks them both out, and then they, as they're walking off, they have this like connective moment, the connection yeah. moment, right, where he starts to understand. Raid has this desire to be successful as well as Gene. It's just that. It's going to take a little bit of time to get him to. Well, and he says, he says something like, I got him a good one, didn't I, coach? <laughs> and he smiles. And Hackman's like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Which is a great connective nice. moment. I love that. Uh, but um, we see the first uh, uh, allusions to uh, the principal uh, having issues with his heart because yeah. he's left there alone in the gym. And you see him kind of stumble a well, little it's bit. Funny. So like I said, I hadn't right. seen it in forever. Yeah. So when I'm watching this, I was just like, oh, shit, is he going to die? Right. I'm really glad he didn't die. No, I am too. Because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be in that movie. No. But there's that moment because you see someone go mm-hmm. in a movie. That guy's having a heart attack. Yes, he. You is. know what I mean? Yeah. And the next, it's, there's certain clues in movies. Like if you see a woman feel queasy, yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like the, the, it's very clear. Or you see a woman's uh, animated woman stumbling up a hill. She's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna fuck with you and make you cry like crazy when you go see Up. So anyway, yeah, we, oh, we have Jesus. To, yeah, that's fucking that movie. All right, so we have the sick principal. He goes, you know, we, the next shot is Gene running up the stairs to go see Cletus. Cletus in the bed, and great, great little moment. Very small from that actress. Very nice, yeah, and the actress playing Cletus's wife. Just a little one, okay. Yeah, oh, man, heartbreaking every time. And so they have this conversation, and he says to him, you know, like I, I feel like I'm leaving you alone. Oh, that's fine. You do kind of like being on your own. I kind of like to see you up on your feet. You can count on us. Oh, I do want to make one last thing to reference to Cletus. What's so great about Cletus at the beginning of the movie, and this shows, this is a small little thing, Steve. He is meditating. He is meditating when Gene Hackman walks up to him at the beginning of the movie is and he? finds him. Yes, he's in front of the air conditioner, and he says, what were you doing? I was floating. 
He's meditating. In wow, you're right. In you're 1951, right. a film shot in 1986, <laughs> he is meditating. And I think it's fantastic. And I think that speaks to he is a progressive guy, which is why he pulled Hackman yeah, to I come agree. coach. Yeah, totally. He is an outside-of-the-box guy. And so he was me- that's me- I'm floating. That's essentially meditation. So it was brilliant. It was fucking brilliant. Anyway, all right. So now we get this idea. Now he's going, he's going to get Shooter as assistant coach. And he goes to him and he tells him that he's got to stay sober. Uh, which a shooter's initially excited at the opportunity, and then he says to him, you, know, you got, but you got to clean up, you got to stay sober. And sh- as most alcoholics do, shooter takes offense to it. I have to hear that from you. You're embarrassing your son. I need to hear that. I, 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 I'd, uh, I'd like you to leave. I'd like you to leave now. What 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 I like so much about the scene, yeah. And, and I I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've had hard conversations with friends or with sure. You know, and friends have had hard conversations with me. Yeah, yeah. Is that what I love about the way it's written and the way Gene Hackman plays it? Is he knows that the thing he has to say is well, you have to say sober. Yes. But he doesn't start with that. No. He goes well. You're gonna have to, you know, wear a suit. Yeah, wear a suit. You're gonna get cleaned up. Yeah, and, and you got to show up on time. Yeah, and what you could see is, uh, how am I gonna say, yeah, stay he's sober? He's building up to it. He's trying to get yeah. there, and he finally gets there. Yeah, and I love the, and I agree with Shooter. You can't talk to me like this because if, if someone's gonna have that kind of conversation with you, they got to be one of your people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is essentially a stranger. Who's telling him to quit drinking? Okay, you know what I mean. I mean, I I, I see your point of view. I don't agree. Well, well, it's not that I'm saying that coach is wrong. No, no, no. I'm not saying you are. I, I'm saying I understand Shooter's feelings right. of like, who is this guy mm-hmm. coming into my most intimate moment? And then the line that is crushing. Yeah, you're embarrassing your son. Yeah, that's that's where he walks across the line, in my opinion. That's where I think Shooter has uh, is valid to kick him out. That's where he takes liberty. But their family is they're basketball guys. And let me tell you something, Steve. Basketball guys sure. understand basketball guys. It's a family. No, Once, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, that's the family that he's operating from, right? That's the place he's coming from because he's not, he's not offering him a job to be his assistant in the, as a teacher. He's offering him a job to be his assistant as a basketball coach. Right. And so he knows. The basketball people know basketball people, and he's trying to approach them that way. And it's, you're right. So he butters him up, and then he has to say that, and it's really hard. And but that he is crosses the line, that line. But that is the line that's – if he doesn't say yeah. that line, Shooter's not going to come in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is that – is that's a big line. What do you think his motivation like, – this, this is a good place to ask this question. Like you asked about uh, uh, Chitwood. What is his motivation when he's asking Jimmy? When he tells him he doesn't care if he plays on the team or not. What is his motivations here? What do you think his motivations are here when he's to- talking Coach. to Shooter? Yeah. Norman I, I find it really hard to take apart. Okay. Because so, I think, I think it's on several levels. Yeah. So I do, it's certainly not mercenary of I need this guy to win. Right. I don't think that's enough of a motivation. No. For him to get the town drunk to come on on his bench, yeah, because he knows he's smart enough and experienced enough to know that this is fraught with peril, yes, in all sorts of ways, yeah. So it, it and he's arrogant enough that he believes that he knows everything about basketball anyway, yeah. You know what I mean? So it can't be about that. And and I think about those twelve years of regret after uh, he had to leave basketball, yeah. And I think about his pain, and I think about his. Now his recovery yeah, in this yeah, moment. Yeah. And I think he sees, not that he was a drunk-like shooter, mm. but 
he spent the last 12 years thinking about one moment yeah, too. Yeah. And he knows what it can do to a person. Yeah. You know, there's this moment in uh, in the West Wing that I love yeah. where Josh has been have Josh has like PTSD. Oh yeah. And Leo is a former alcoholic. And they and they and Josh has just gone through his big therapy episode, which is with Adam Arkin, which is a fantastic yeah. episode of television. And Leo walks up to him, he'd been waiting for him all day to come out and, and Josh says, What are you doing here? And Leo says this guy's walking down the street when he falls in the hall. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey, you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hall and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hall and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Long as I got a job, you got a job, you understand? Damn. And this is some great Sorkin writing. And there's something about this moment of, not that Coach is exposing himself quite in that way. Right. But of him going, I know what it's like. Mm. I've been here. Yeah. And I'm going to help you to get out. Right. And I think, it, it, yeah, it's, it, I think that's what it is. I agree with you. And I think it's a, but now it's once again, this is a very complex character in Norman Dale. This is a guy who we find out later did punch one of his players, a, yeah. a college player. But he has a good heart. He has a benevolent heart in, in this way. He sees, and this is men. Men understand men, right? Men understand the pain of men, right? He sees this. He sees a connection with this guy because this guy could climb out of it, right? If he wanted to. Maybe. So he wants to help him climb out of it yeah. as much as possible. He wants to give him a motivation to climb out of it. There's, there's a, a, I think there's a benevolence in that. Uh, so then we cut to, you know, we don't think he's going to come and then Shooter shows up at the game. Right. He's got his, he's got shaved. He's got his hair like yep. matted down. He's wearing the suit that he was married in. He looks really nice. And then Hackman is like surprised to see him and he sits down. And so is Everett. His son is surprised to see him. And he's not in a good way. Not in a good way. Right. Exactly. But like the pounding of the gym is feel the weight on Everett Mm -hmm. of this gym. Yes. And the crowd. Yeah. Not pleased. Not happy to see Shooter there. And, and, you know, Dennis Hopper does a great job. "Ah, ah," You know, it's all affecting him. Well, if you think about it, I'm one of these townspeople who just all we've wanted to do is be involved in the game. Yes. And you pick the drunk. The town drunk. To sit down there. Come on. The fallen star. I ain't feeling real good. You'll be fine. The kids are starting to get it. I mean, it's really fun. Later on, they're at uh, the, the school. Uh, Everett waits after, you know, right. and it was great because Ollie's doing his like book report, in a sense, his like stand up report, which I remember those days of doing those reports in high school. I uh, hope yours was a little better than Ollie's. <laughs> yeah, I hope mine was too. I don't remember. Uh, but then Everett waits after him and says, uh, Coach, what you're doing with my dad, I'm not seeing it. Why not? Because he's a drunk, he'll do something stupid. When's the last time somebody gave him a chance? He don't deserve a chance. And that's a really powerful moment, yeah. right? And then Hershey walks in, and so he ushers Everett out, and he says, "Like, just, you know, just we'll talk later." And Hershey comes in and tells him, uh, "You know that." The by the way, this is the Hackman doesn't talk any more to him than that. No, that's the whole scene, yeah. and it's surprising to me. And maybe that's the right thing. Of 
I'm not going to sit down and talk to you about your dad. Of course not. I'm going to let you stew on it and think about it. And He's still teaching these kids. He's yeah. teaching these kids even when they're not on the court with See, him. But if you had me as a teacher, you would realize that I don't shut the fuck up ever. <laughs> I'll keep talking to you forever. And there's a lot to learn from Mr. Hackman of like, no, sure. don't say that. Right. Just shut up. Yeah. Shutting up's not my strong suit. Well, something you brought up earlier, he cut out lines yeah. from the movie because he knows it doesn't need it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so then uh, Barbara Hershey, boss of Meyer Freeland, calls up and tells him, you know, the, there's going to be a vote uh, to see if they want to kick him off as coach, like fire him as coach. Yeah. Right? And he, she says, I don't think you should be there. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Right? And he says, I guess I better, I got one game to yeah, prove myself. I got myself. one to prove myself. So we're putting a lot of pressure on this game. <laughs> yeah, but she Is says, the game going to go well? I No, I don't think so. But she does say, I think it goes deeper than one game, don't yeah. you? Which is a great line. Yeah. You know? So, so, gets, at, so, he, he, so the game happens, and what does he do? He gets himself kicked out of the game. Yeah. Right? And Shooter has to coach the game, and Shooter falls apart at the first time to step up. And he sinks back, and Everett, which is great. That actor does such a great job as his really son, good. just kind of deflates, right? Because he yeah. knows that's what's going to happen. Uh, and we start to see that, which is, we be, yeah, you start to wonder if he's going to stay on as a coach, right? As an audience, we're wondering, is he going to stay on as a coach? Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. And that ref kicks him out. Like, that ref kicks him out for no reason at all. Very quickly. Yeah, yeah. there are no reason at all. And it's, sometimes your reputation precedes you. And when you come in from outside, there are people who don't want to treat you nicely. That's well, and I think at the beginning of the movie, when he kicks, kicks dads out, when he's yeah. saying we focus on yeah. fundamentals, you're like, this guy knows what he's doing. Right. And when he when he, when he he plays with four people, you're like, wow, this guy's got balls, but he yeah, knows he what he's doing. Yeah. There's a certain point where you start to go, does he know what he's doing? I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not that I'm doubting him, but you start right. to doubt. You start to be nervous. Of course. When he gets kicked out of that game and Shooter's left all alone. Yeah. And you're, we're halfway through the movie now, and it's sort of like, yeah, man, I... Maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe something's wrong. Yeah. Then we cut to us. We cut to Gene Hackman out in the fields by this post. Uh, Myra Fleener walks up. You know, Barbara Hershey walks up, and she pulls out this piece of paper that's been folded into like seven or eight different squares, and then reads it to him. And it's the first time we hear as an audience that he the reason why he stopped coaching at Ithaca, and it was because uh, he punched a player. Normandale coach the national champions Ithaca Warriors was given a lifetime suspension to be honored by all NCAA signatories for physically assaulting his own player in Ithaca's last season's game. This was the latest in a series of controversial incidents involving the successful though highly volatile coach. The New York High School Athletic Association has stated they will honor the suspension as well. I love that she reads the article. But the real reason she came is that this vote is coming up and she doesn't think he should be there. I want to tell you that I think your efforts in regards to Shooter have been noble. They have. They've been fine. And, and I appreciate you staying away from Jimmy the way you have. I don't think you better be there tonight. It won't be pleasant. All right, so then we have, what, we go to the town hall. Uh, and it's it's a great town hall. I mean, it's a beautiful old wood in the. Sure. I think they're at a church or someplace. And, and Norman Dale is there. He did not say he did not not show up no. as she suggested. Barbara Hershey walks up and gives a speech to defend Coach Dale. You know, Chelsea Ross there is like you know leading the pitchfork and fire crew to fire uh, Gene Hackman, uh, Norman Dale, and Barbara Hershey steps up, gives the speech, 
uh, to defend him. And it's almost well, painful up. for her. Hold on. Yeah, doesn't she doesn't get up to give the speech to defend him. She gets up and pulls out the piece of paper to read the article condemning him. She pulls out that piece, same piece oh. of paper, and she is about to read the same article about him punching a kid. Yeah. And she changes her mind. Is that what you think? I am certain of it. Wow. I am 100%. I've seen this movie a million times, and I never thought that she was... I thought she'd just written down her speech because she's this kind you of person look at who carries stuff. I mean, you... I, no, I, I would watch defer, it again. I would defer to you. Well, you want to watch it no, again. Sometimes new eyes are, can see a film and see, I, catch stuff. I am... I am 90% certain wow. that's what she's about. And she to just do. changes her mind in that moment and gives an impromptu speech. Yes. This prepared woman. Yes. Okay. That is what I believe. Okay. Now I'm really curious. Um, yeah. And, and, and you, <laughs> you are out there listening to this. Yeah. Go out and check it out. Um, but that, I was so sure that that's what wow. happens. Wow. It, yeah. You might be right. You might yeah. 100% be right. Yeah. I thought she wrote the speech down because she keeps looking at it as she's talking. Yeah. And so I think she, we might I, have uh, to put it in after effort of we the might, podcast. We might have I'm to, kind yeah. of curious about this moment. Now. We might have to. So, so, and what's great is that she has this moment with her mom too, because she comes back to sit down next to her mom and her mom puts her hand on her arm, yeah. which is a way of showing support for her that she right. did something like that. And then they do the vote. And, 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 he, Gene, and Norman Dale says a nice speech, yeah. which again, oh, does not speech. give them a lot of room to like oh, him. Oh, no. It is really good, but he yeah. also says, I apologize for nothing. I was hired to teach the boys a game of basketball, and I did that to the best of my ability. I apologize for nothing. You may not be pleased with the results, but I am. I'm very proud of these boys. He's not an easy guy. No. He's not making because this he knows he's right. Yes, and these people need to understand. Here, okay. Here's another thing, <laughs> and this goes to like directing and leadership yeah, in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah, is that part of his part of him making that team good? Yeah. is dependent upon the goodwill of the town. Is so so you're not just. I mean, you think about every coach, particularly in in, in mm -hmm. college sports is that they have to go to the uh, alumni association yeah, yeah, meetings. Yeah. They have to go talk to the press. Yeah. They have to do And if they do those things wrong, it will adversely affect their ability to do, play the game. Yes, like, but... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, so, so, so like on one level, he's just like, I am right. But on yeah. another level, it's like, if I can get you guys to help me and, and, and make me seem... This is the thing I think about directing all the time. Mm -hmm. I will happily look wrong to have someone else think that they're right in order for to get what I want. The point is not for me to be right. I mean, I know I'm right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But I don't need to say it. And this happens like if, if I'm talking, yeah. you know, it's like I want to get the actor to think they came up with the idea themselves. Right. I don't want, I don't need to tell them what to do. Right. Is that I, and I will happily have you think I'm wrong on yeah. a small point mm -hmm. so I can win the big one. Because if that makes your ego feel bad, I mean you. But if yeah. that makes one's ego feel the better you, yeah. for that, that, and I can get the big thing that I want, great. Right. He is not working with this town. Nope. I love the movie. I'm not. It's not. Right. It's not a criticism of no, the movie. No, no. It's saying this guy, if he had been a little softer, he might not have been about to be fired right now. Yeah, but then we don't have a movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. No, because I think this. I think this uh, conflict is very important to the movie. Because fans mm. are fickle. Of Townspeople course. are fickle. He is an oak tree. In yeah, the middle. absolutely. He is very, and you need that. Because sometimes the fickle, you cannot give to into the whims 
of the fans or the whims of the townsfolk. You have to do what you think is right because at the end of the day, you're the only one that can look yourself in the mirror and go, did I do everything possible in my way to help this team win? If I gave in on certain moments, if I gave in and sacrificed uh, my personal idea of what would work and what doesn't work, then I haven't done it my way. What if one of the things that would help the the team win Mm -hmm. would be to play a little nicer with the parents? We don't see any example of him playing mean with the parents. Like, he's never mean to the reverend. He's hard. He's hard, but we never see him, like, yelling at anybody's kids. No, no, yelling no. Yelling at anybody's parents or telling no. him, you raise a shitty kid. He even makes the uh, the parent of one of those kids who ran out, the gizzard guy, he made him his assistant coach as but the show prog- as the film I'm not, again, I'm not criticizing I the movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I, what I'm saying is just as a leadership, yeah, in a leadership situation is that you got to look at all of your chess pieces. Right. And the town dads are some of your chess pieces. And if you alienate them, they're going to be against you from the beginning. Right. And if you can somehow, without sacrificing your practice, saying this is how we're going to play the game, but play a little softer with them and bring them around, you might not be standing in the town hall about to be fired. And the worst thing that could possibly happen to these kids is, and for the team is you being fired. That's fair. Yeah. But what we're about to see happen here is, is your key? argument against it, which is that Jimmy shows up. Absolutely. And the reason Jimmy shows up is because Coach Normandale hasn't sacrificed his principles. 100% agree. And he, so he has that moment. So he's basically, his ass is pulled out of the fire by Jimmy. They have taken a vote. Chelsea Ross is ecstatic that the coach is fired. And then Jimmy shows up. I don't know if it'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. Yeah. Right, everyone's excited because they think it's because Normandale got fired. And Chelsea Ross even says, I got rid of him. One other thing. I play, coach stays, he goes, I go. And it's great. Like, Jimmy just walks up, says one line. One of his four or whatever. And I love Chelsea Ross's face from the excitement it to falls. complete and utter just his face falls apart and then he tries in vain to reinforce the original vote and then that dad who had been there earlier that big guy it calls for a revote yep and uh and they vote to keep him in and then we get the 80s montage sports montage da, 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 da. amazing jerry goldsmith score uh, which was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. It's a beautiful you know what's funny? score. Yeah. It's probably my least favorite Trey Goldsmith score. You're out of your fucking mind. Steve Morris. That score is beautiful. I didn't say it's a bad score. I love Jerry Goldsmith. <sighs> but when you compare it to Planet of the Apes and Patton, and there's just a lot more that I like more. You're out of your mind. That score is so good. Patton? It inspires you. It lifts you it's up. A, it's a really good Ba-ba-ba-ba-da. score. There are parts Come of it on. I think that are great, but I, I, right. I, I, it's not that I think it's bad. Uh, do I, I, You're just not a sports guy, man. Uh, You're a martial arts guy. Wait. You're not a sports guy, man. Martial arts is not a sport? Well, you need to feel <laughs> that in your bones, man. This score is, well, I, you know, there's obviously it's, this is a film that's subjective. Scores are subjective, obviously. But for me, it is one of the most inspirational scores because it's just so, it gets you, it just lifts you up, I man. Just, excites I, you. I, I can't name every Jerry Goldsmith score, right, right. but I could probably name three or four I like better. That's, that's all fair. I'm saying. That's fair. Uh, maybe not Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> um, that Maybe that one I like less than this. Is that Giacchino or is that Goldsmith? No, that's oh, Goldsmith. Oh, the motion picture. Motion right. picture is 2009 Goldsmith. is Giacchino. Right. Yeah. All right, so 
we have so so we have this whole idea of like the montage and everything's happening. We hear the and they're starting to win now, right? Because yep. the team's coming. Jimmy's on the team. We have shoot. He's like he's drying out Shooter by like dunking his face in the water and pulling him back out. And he says, "I didn't think I could do it, but a, a team of wild horses couldn't drag me away. Right? You're gonna sober up, you know." Well, but this is and this is a key thing too is that yep. is that can't be too good. Yes, is that we can't just be woohoo, we're winning. We can't be willing by forty points. Yeah, because right. well, what well, it's also like Shooter's little twitches yeah. and stuff remind you it's uh, not all perfect yes which is really important right because shooters like he's saying he's, he promises shooter he's not going to get thrown out scouts uh, honor yeah scouts honor right which is scouts honor which is a great moment right and then of course next game he gets thrown out right and he does it on purpose on purpose yeah which is great and i love that scene with the ref once again this film is littered with these amazingly good actors in these very small moments yeah. that really like just bring the film to life and he says to him take me out of the game Kick me out of game, I'm gonna start screaming like a mad fool. Well, I guess you got your reasons. You're out of here. And he kicks him out, and, and Hackman does the overacting that he does. Oh, come on, blah, blah, blah. And they immediately yeah, shifts gears and tells him, well, I did it again. Sorry. Yeah. And this time... Not a good Boy Scout. No, not a good... Right. And this time, uh, Shooter really steps up and, yes. and uh, 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 does the picket fence, uh, which is one of the greatest like old school plays ever. Right. And he has a great line where he says, Now, boys, don't get caught watching the paint dry. And it's just a great little moment. Once again, Angelo Pizzo does such a great job in creating this, like, just, you know, people spoke like this back then. And it's just, it feels so real, you know? And it, it's great to have that moment. And you have this kind of, uh, kind of slowly coming together of Everett with his dad, where he has this, where he's like, they're all celebrating when they hit the game winning shot. And then they all turn around, they shoot her and Everett turn around at the same time and face each other. And he says to him, You did good, Pop. Great. That's such a great moment. And then they run off the court. And then it's Hopper, his hair flying. It's just yeah. great. Great. You know, even his body language as he's running is a person who's going to fall apart at any moment. The way he's running almost looks like a piece of glass. It's such a shatter. moment. It's such an important emotional moment to him. Yes. Now we go to the sectional finals. You know, obviously, they've done well enough that they're into the sectional finals. Uh, the pressure gets to Shooter. Everett doesn't know where his dad is. Uh, you know, Norman Dale is asking him, have you seen your father? He's like, no. And he's like, well, just keep your head in the game. And then Shooter shows up drunk when a foul is called. He stumbles out of it's the horrible. crowd, which is so sad. It is so awful. Yeah, he just stumbles out. And he just says, like, oh, you know, you weren't in position to make the foul call. You don't know what you're talking about. And, he, like, when they grab him, he's, like, looking at his hands, like, right, which is what you see drunks do sometimes, right? They'll do that when you're, like, oh, they're surprised at their ferocity at times. And so he gets ushered out, and he says to him, like, you know, um, Oh, he's an assistant coach. It's fine. And then he calls a technical. On right. Oh, well, he's a coach. Right. He's a coach. And and you just feel Everett. Yeah. You feel he's already been humiliated yes. by his dad his whole life. Yeah. And then he's had this moment of believing yes. in his dad. Yes. And now at the most important moment of his life. In to this point. The most, to this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. In the most public way possible. Yes. His dad. I just. I know. And the fact Again, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm -hmm. And and coach says to him, keep your head in the game. Yeah. And I'm going, how could he possibly? Yeah. How could he possibly stay in the game? And I'm thinking things are going to go, he's going to do something terrible. And yet, he does keep his head in the game. He does for the most part, but then they push Jimmy from behind. 
right? The other team pushes Jimmy from behind on a layup. And, and then Everett, instead of just picking Jimmy up and confronting the guy, he immediately reacts by right. punching the kid in the face. It becomes a whole brawl. And then he himself, Everett, gets slammed into the glass into case. The glass. And he gets cut up. And, and yet, despite that, they manage to pull it together and win the game. Uh, and then the next scene is them, uh, uh, Normandale and Everett running out trying to find Shooter, uh, and they find him passed out yeah. in the frozen tundra. I mean, he looks like in the he's woods. Yes, I mean, if he's, they don't find him right then, he's dead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Which is probably his guilt has overtaken him for embarrassing his son. So then we go to, we end up, he ends up in the hospital. Right, wakes up, has all this. Stuff. He's real bad shape. Yeah, he's in real bad shape. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Basketball meant so much to you. Coach, I'm so proud of you. I'm so sorry. Come on, Shooter. Nothing could be further from the truth. What what I like about this, and I think a lot of this is Dennis Hopper's influence, Mm -hmm. is they don't treat addiction lightly. Yeah. Is that because the moment that he shows up dressed, you're like, oh, it's going to be good. Yeah. And then the moment in particular where Gene Hackman gets kicked out of the game on purpose, you Mm go... This is, seems cinematically like he's conquered his alcoholism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what the movie says is no. Yeah. No, this is going to be a lot harder right. than that. Than you and that's really, that, 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 that elevates the movie to a more serious level mm-hmm. than it was before. Yeah. It's really important. And I think you're right. I think this is Hopper's influence because he was going, he had been through rehab been through a few this. times. So oh, no, yeah. he, he knew exactly what he was talking about. All right, so then we have what? The locker room speech? I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals, and most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. It's a classic locker room speech. Yeah. I don't know what the best locker room speech of all time is, but this is this is in the list, I think. Mm. Uh, the Pacino speech in any given Sunday is pretty pretty that's damn a great good. one. The, the film is terrible, but he's that's a great speech. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, th- th- this is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh and we go out to play our game. You know, it's going back and forth. It's a tight game. There's about two minutes left, a little over two minutes left, and Everett gets hurt. He gets hit from behind in slow motion. We see that his stitches have been ripped up. There's blood on the bandage. The doctor picks him up. Hold it. The stitches are full. Patch him up. Come on, patch him up. I can't do it. Patch him up. Are you out of your mind? And that's where you see the glimpse of the old Norman Dale. Win at any cost. I don't care what it takes. And then he starts to talk to Everett, like, so you stay in the game. Blah, 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 you're gonna he be sends fine. him into the game. Yeah, he sends He's him into the game. Go into the game. Yeah, yeah. he gives him directions or instructions, sends him into the game. And then he has this moment. And it's great because the, the, they cut to Barbara Hershey yeah. judging from on high, right? right. Which of is course. a great shot of her, like, really stone-faced and stoic. Like, oh, he has maybe he hasn't changed. Yeah. And we get a glimpse into the old Norman Dale, and he has this conflict. And he, he like, rubs his head, and then he spins around. He goes, nope, come back out. Everett, you're on the bench. Oh, Come on, you're on the bench. It's such a great moment. We see the char- these. We see the subtle shades of an arc in the Norman Dale character. Yeah. To me, this moment is so important. Yeah. It's critical to the film because the the Norman that sends that kid in yeah. is the same Norman that punched that kid yes. in the face. Uh, right. That's exactly. the guy who wants to win at every cost. Right. And he knows it, 
and he stops. And the power to stop your own internal instinct, morality doesn't come easily. Doing the right thing doesn't come easily. And the choice he is making right now is it's more important to take care of these kids than it is to win. This is huge. It's huge. I agree with huge. You. It, I think it's the I think it's the final moment where you are officially on board with him, no matter what, yeah. right? And it's, Absolutely, and it's great. And and the strap stuff really makes. Me I smile. mean, just it's brilliant. great. His glee. Yeah, I felt God. And yeah. he just, it's just great. I love it. Well, feel him in the dribble, working on the dribble, right, 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 which dribble. is great. And then, but we're still not there. Right. We're still not there yet because right. now someone else is going to foul out. Yes, someone's going to foul out. And Ollie's got to go in. I think it's Buddy who fouls out. Yeah. Uh, and then Ollie's got to go in there. And of course, Ollie has resisted playing yeah. the whole time because he's, he's, he's so small. And they're not sure what he's going to do. Uh, and it's a close, tight game. And even before Ollie goes in, though, I love the moment of Strap doing a prayer on Ollie's hand. Oh, and beautiful. Hackman hits him with that little folder of his and says, Make it a good one, Strap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they give him the ball the first time and he dribbles the ball off his leg. Yep. And then the second time he shoots the ball and he gets hit. Yeah. Right. And the ball bounces in and out. And so it's like he's got two foul shots to win the game. The first time he gets yep. hit, he goes to shoot, does his underhand shot. And totally misses the basket. I mean, misses the whole yeah. <laughs> practically misses the gym. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> it really is. By the way, just off the topic, but I heard a whole, it might have been a radio lab or something. Yeah. I mean, so I think of Freakonomics that was all about. The statistics of underhand shooting right. and why it's actually better. Yeah, Dave Barry uh, did that all through his career in the NBA. Underhand shooting. Yeah, yeah. And he and I, and apparently there's one game where Wilt Chamberlain did yes. it and like made just un- and, but was so embarrassed by it that he never did it again. Yeah, it's a pride thing. Shaq yeah. probably could have had a yeah. better free throw percentage if he'd learned how to shoot underhand. Yeah. Uh, all right, so there we have. You say this is your favorite moment in the movie with Ollie yes. getting the redemption. Yes, the right. the free throw moment. Yes. So so we're we're down to the end of the game, yes. and they're up by one point. The other team. The other up team's by up by one yeah. point. Yeah. They foul Ollie, which makes sense. You foul the weakest free throw shooter. Of course. Uh, then they call timeout to to to, to ice him. Yeah. We, we're on the bench. I love the moment. Gene Hackman. This is great coaching. All right, listen. After Ollie makes his second shot. And you will make your second shot. Get back on defense right away. It may just be enough time for them to throw in a desperation toss, okay? All right. Let's go. Put him in, Ollie. All these actors playing these characters, these basketball players, have these really great moments that solidify your affection for them in the film. And he walks up to Ollie and he says, don't you pay that no mind. Don't you listen to them. You just focus on what you need to do. We're going to do these shots and we're going to get out of here. It's great, right? He stabilizes Ollie. If he doesn't walk up there, I don't think Ollie makes those shots. And this is, you know, this is the moment that we talked about like in a baseball movie yeah. where it is one person. We've slowed time down. Mm-hmm. Everything is, and we feel it in this. And it is so... His nervousness and the crowd and the jeers and the hope and the guys giving him shit and like him making that first shot and then the second shot. It's like, oh, my God, we're almost here. And even just the choice of what shot to use, because it's one that hits kind of high on the back rim and does a high bounce, which is really unpredictable and right down through the net.
So then they, they win the game because yeah. the desperation shot. We're going to the, go the state championship, John. state championship. Wow. Yeah. Who would have seen this coming? Old Hickory Huskers. <laughs> you know who wouldn't see it coming? Barbara Hershey. Norman Dale, coach of the uh, Ithaca Warriors, was suspended. I, I can't really explain that. It's been a number of years, and it still kind of goes around in my head. I, I slow it down. Sometimes I really think that I can stop my fist from hitting a boy's jaw. One second, everything I'd worked for, it's just all finished. Which is a great moment, because we all have those moments of regret. Whether, whether It's not necessarily physical, but we have those moments where, ah, I shouldn't have said that. God, I wish oh, I yeah. hadn't said that. Or what if I'm I just kept it in? I'm haunted by things I said when I was 10. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's a very good point. A lot of us are haunted by our stuff. And so, you know, she, and it's a way of kind of her like, kind of connecting with him, wanting to know him, right? And I think this is, this, is a, this is a very unusual courtship between them. It's fraught with a lot of like danger and under, like having to understand these impulses. Like she's so mean to him at the beginning, but then as she discovers these things about him, he's not the prettiest character in terms of his... Uh, his past, his past, his yeah. inner, his and his inner motivations and things. Well, and I, I love, um, I, I love two, a couple of things about the scene. One, mm-hmm. one is that he just describes. I think it's in this scene. Yeah, how strong his desire to win was. Yes, yes. You know the power of just needing mm-hmm. to win. Yeah, and he also the thing I love is he says when she talks about you hit this kid and he yeah. says he was the best kid I ever played. Yeah, coached. That's, it's 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 crazy. He's the best kid I ever coached. And, and he was, and what he describes about him yeah. is interesting too. He's t- stubborn and tough. Yeah. And t- it's like, he didn't say he was easy to coach or nice no, no. or he said he was tough to coach. Right. And that made him the best kid, which is sort of, it's another interesting thing to think is like, you know, the person who just says yes, coach, yeah, that might not be the best kid. And we, as the audience are left to see the similarities between Gene Hackman's, between Norman Dale and that kid, which is probably why he punched him. Of course. He felt an affinity for this. Well, and we're looking at our kids that we're coaching right now. Yeah. You know, who was the toughest kid for him to coach is Raid. He Raid. And and that's the kid he actually bonds with in yep. a way. Yep. You know, yep. It, it's it's real interesting. And, and, and uh, uh, Buddy, yep. who had been mouthing off to him in the first practice. Right. He right. ends up trusting the offense to Buddy as the point guard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, we have the press conference, and you have this really great lighthearted moment with Ollie going, oh, I knew I was going to make it yeah. all the way. And Gene Hackman goes, did you? Yeah. Did you know? Did you know? Um, and then they ask him these legitimate questions, which I think is great. Yeah. The team you're matched against in the final, South Bend Central, is one of the power teams in the state. Their front line is 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and 6'5". How can your little guys compete? I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a scouting report? Well, more important to me than a scouting report, my boys only know basketball, farming, and school, probably in that order. Most of them never seen a building taller than two stories except in a photograph, so... <laughs> Taking them to Indianapolis and uh, play in front of 15,000 people is kind of like uh, you and me going to the moon. <laughs> so he's just totally pushing the David versus Goliath storyline, which right. coaches do. Coaches do that all the time. And it's a great moment. And he, it's, it's a great little back and forth. With, it gives you a small sample of what you still see nowadays between reporters and coaches. Yeah. Completely overselling the opponent and underselling yourself as a team. Right. You know, it's a, Coach Lou Holtz with the uh, Notre Dame final, he was known for doing that. Like, yeah. They would play a Division Three team. That, These are, it's a juggernaut team we're playing. It's a really right. tough team. You know? 
Uh, and then Everett goes and visits a shooter. It's a really nice scene. Just a beautiful father and son moment. I heard the game right there on that, that little Philco. And uh, I heard old, old Ollie dribble on his foot and then make that charity shot. And, and I, I started bawling. And they, br- they bring the white coats in here and they, they put a jacket on me. Uh, I was feeling so good I didn't even mind. Dennis Hopper does such beautiful light work. He is, to me, when I watch him in the scene, he is standing on a feather the yeah. whole time. That's what I visualize as he's talking because he's just being really honest with his son, probably for the first time in a long time. Well, I feel real empty inside. And uh, I have some bad visions. And then he says to him, Oh, I wish I could be there. I'll be thinking of you. Son. Keep their butt. Oh, this is great. And and his son, Everett, has these great lines where he says, when you get out of here, we're going to get a house. There's inspirational. It's like, I'm going to give you that chance that you want. I believe in you, Dad, because you, you, I know you've, you can do it. Because right? once, it seems like once Everett makes a decision, he's going to do it. Yeah. He, like, he's, he's not for this idea when it no. starts. No. Nope. But once he decides, once he has that moment where, good job, Pop. Yeah. Then he's like, okay. Yeah. We're going to do this. And even the fact, like, that's why it goes, like, uh, when uh, there's the keep your head in the game after yeah. after Shooter comes in drunk. Yeah. And while Everett does throw that punch, he still plays basketball yeah. in that game. Yeah. He, he like, ex- he doesn't accept what his dad did, right. but he goes, like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Yeah. And I think, I agree with you, like, Dennis Hopper's performance is beautiful. I think this is my favorite performance of his. Yeah. This is the most vulnerable this is the most human. I mean, it's like there's, there's things he does in Blue Velvet and Apocalypse Now that are these wild yeah, yeah. things. And there's something for him. But this one, man, it's yeah. touching. Well, he said he, he he was a little upset that he was nominated for this and not nominated for Blue Velvet. Right. But I think they got the nomination right. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, and something else, that's, this is, they mentioned this on the commentary mm-hmm. tracks, just also about addiction, is originally in the script. Yeah. He was supposed to end up at that last game. Yes, he was. He was supposed to celebrate with the team at the end of the last. Uh, and that the he was. Gonna, and film. this is in classic sports movie structure. Mm-hmm. You're, you, the goal is to resolve all of your conflicts yes. within the last game, yeah. and so obviously you have to have shooter come in with some great wisdom to fulfill what the the, the needs of his character are in the last moment. And, and his son. And his son. And it's Dennis Hopper who says no. Right. Because and this I love this. This is so because the structure of the way addiction is treated in movies mm-hmm. is that the moment that the character has catharsis is the it, you know everything's going to be okay. And if you know anything about twelve step programs, yeah. the admitting you have a problem that's the first step. Yeah, it's not the last step. And movies tend to t- treat it as the last step. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, you admitted it. You had catharsis. Right now you're going to be sober. And what Dennis Hopper said is. No, this is going to be a long road. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come out of the hospital right away. No. It would be too easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely the right yeah, choice. Yeah, it was brilliant. It would undercut the uh, value of addiction therapy, right? Yeah. It would undercut the that he would just go. It would mean that his character wasn't taking it seriously again. Yeah. Right? Because anyone who's dealt with addiction in their family or the. Yeah. This, this shit ain't easy. Yeah. It's hard. Absolutely. So they arrive at the gym and they're greeted by this guy, this guy who says, like, you know, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the end of basketball, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually one of the players from the Myland game. Wow. Which is great. That's right? awesome. It's so it's such a great little like homage to them, little touch of base. And it's the real gym where they actually played. 
the game. Oh, really? That won, yeah, that they won where the game the, in. The the 54? Yeah, where Milan actually the, won the championship. It was the actual gym they played wow. in there. That's right. It's so fantastic. And you have this moment, once again, these great coaching moments, you know, because they're all like overwhelmed by the size of the gym and they've yeah. never played in front of thousands of people. And he has this moment where he has Ali get on, uh, I think his straps back or someone, one of the players' backs. Right. And he carries him over and they measure the gym. They measure the basket to the floor. How far? Ten feet. Ten feet. I think you'll find it's the exact same measurements as our gym back in Hickory. <laughs> okay, let's get dressed for practice. And it's a way of deconstructing this idea of being overwhelmed by the situation. Everything's the same. The court is the same size. The basket is the same size. All that matters is what's what you do within those lines. It's it a beautiful, that is a beautiful coach moment. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. And then he has this real quiet moment with the assistant coach where he's like, It is big. <laughs> I love that. I love that. There's a locker room scene right there where they get the. This is like one of the really honest moments that Norman Dale has in this whole movie. Like he, I think when he was in the uh, city, when he has that meeting at City Hall or wherever it is that where he was going to get fired, and he says, "I'm proud of these boys. Like I'm proud of what I've done." Yeah. It this dovetails perfectly to this moment too, where he's like. Uh, we're way past big speech time. Huh? I want to thank you for the last few months. It's been very special for me. Anybody have anything they want to say? And everyone has their moment to say what they want to do this for. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Okay. I want to win for my dad. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Thank you. Well, and this is the opposite of the previous locker yes. room. The previous locker room was, I'm giving you the locker room speech. Yeah. It's a really great locker room right. speech. The Normandale in this scene is vulnerable yep. and human mm-hmm. and connecting. And he has, I believe, and we're going to see this later in the game, move past the what I say is the law. Right. That you're not allowed to speak. Right. He's become a family member with these guys. Mm-hmm. And while he's certainly not treating them as equals, right. he's the coach and they're the players. Right. There's much more of a give and take. And it's and he's so vulnerable when mm-hmm. he thanks them yeah. and tells them he loves them. And also, you know, this is 1950s men. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Agreed. I love you guys. So then the game starts. And, you know, they're getting kind of run out of the gym and they have oh, yeah. all these excuses coming out in the first time out. And Hackman lets them all speak. And then he says, Maybe they were right about us. Maybe we don't belong up here. Coach, can I say something? Yeah. I think Jimmy can take the guy that's guarding if we set him up. What about him, Jimmy? All right, let's go. Come on. And this is such a huge thing in all of sports. And mm-hmm. everyone who's played any kind of sports knows this, yeah. is that... There is going to be a time when you are shook. Yeah. There is going to be a time where it's not working. Mm-hmm. And what you have to fall back on is fundamentals. Yeah. Is that, and it's all those times of practice. Yeah. It's, that's what you have to fall back on. And, and that's what they do. They yeah. fall back on, what did we practice? Right. This court is the same size court as our court. Go back to fundamentals yeah, and exactly. they find it. Yeah. You know? you know, people have, this is where we should mention, like people have had uncomfortable, people say the film's a little uncomfortable at the end because it's an all black team versus an all white or mostly black team versus an all white team. Uh, 
I'm not sure of the racial makeup of the Mylon. So I actually know something yeah. about this. Okay. So uh, the what they did was that is the same makeup as the team that the Mylon team okay. played in the 1954 game. Well, there we go. It was from South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. and that they were, you know, four African-American kids. Right. I don't remember what it was. It was integrated. But, but, they, but they, they had exactly the same makeup in this game. That's right. why you're seeing what you're seeing. Well, some people have said that this film, they take this film, because they don't know the background of the film. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's all white kids versus all black. It's, that's irrelevant in this situation, because it's trying to uh, evoke what happened with the Mylon game, right? One of the interesting things, so this is something you got to think about. Yeah. Extras are hard to get. Yes. If you want, if you're a student filmmaker, I talk to my students, they're like, I'm going to get 12 extras. No, they're not. It's really hard to get extras. You don't have a lot of money to pay them. When you're deciding you're going to shoot a giant basketball game in a 6,000 seat arena, you need 6,000 extras. Well, how are they going to get them? What they ended up doing with this one is that they had a bunch of local basketball teams come and play and brought everyone in for free who rooted for those teams and then begged them to stay. But they only had them for a few hours. Right. And they were dwindling because there's nothing not paying these people and they're just more and more leaving. And so first they have 2,000 people and then they have 1,800 and then they have 1,000 and then they have 500. (laughs) And what they have to do is make sure to get all the money shots with crowds in the background. And they, you move the crowd around the stadium because you can't fill the whole stadium the whole time. Right. And then they figured out, okay, the shot of him winning the game. Yeah. We have to have the crowd there for that. Other stuff, maybe not. And so you really have to choreograph what you're doing with all your extras and what you're shooting in front of them yeah. before they leave. Plus, they can't just sit there. You can't have tired extras. They're watching <laughs> the most exciting game ever in history. That's so true. you're constantly going, no, no, get up and cheer, get up and cheer. Right. It's hard to do. Sure. Um, and one other small technical thing, but it's something that I know yeah scoreboards are hard because they have clocks on them and the clocks always have to make sense so anytime you have a shot in the background before you do the shot yeah you have to go reset the clock to two minutes and 27 seconds and then you have to do it again and you have to have it be exactly right which seems like a small thing but every time you're doing it is a big pain in the ass that you have to keep track of and it's important and it's really important and i mean it's really in this game it's like you have to see that shot go in at exactly the right second and that's you got to get it just right. Because the audience will absolutely call you out on it. Oh, yeah. They'll absolutely call you out on it if you're not really focusing on what you're doing. Right? We don't see a halftime in this game. No. Right? It just kind of glosses through. Everything's real close, and they're down by... And you have these great basketball, these backdoor cuts, these great basketball right. sequences. Which they, was real playing, by the way. Yeah. That's how they did it, was they just said... They had 20 yep. minutes. They had refs on the court. They said, just play. Just play. And the refs called fouls, but they never took free throws or anything. Gotcha. So they just... And so a lot of that is yeah. just them playing. Yeah. In addition to the choreograph thing. Yeah. Because like, this is what we talked about before. Boxing is something you can choreograph down to the everything, every right. little moment. Right. Basketball is harder. It's really hard. It's hard to get because there's a lot of movement. So many variables. And a lot of the joy comes from it's happening. And yeah. so that's what they did. They had them just yeah. play. It's really uh, like a love letter. That, that whole game is a love letter the way it's filmed to the game of basketball. In particular, this era of basketball. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I love all of it. So the, it gets real close. So it gets tight. The, and then it comes down to one final shot. As it does. As, yes, it is, uh, they call the timeout. And Normandale says... And the team doesn't want to do it. No. What's the matter with you guys? And it's great because the music just stops. The, the, record, the needle scratches on the record. What's the matter with you? And Jimmy says, I'll make it. I'll make it. 
This is the evolution of this character. Yeah. This is not the same guy who said what I say about this game is the law. Right. This is a guy who's now become a team member, mm -hmm. still the coach, right. but he's willing to bend. He's willing to be yeah. flexible. Yeah. And he goes, okay. Yeah, and also the team itself now feels they've earned the right to have yeah. this moment to say, we're not in defiance of you. Jimmy's taken us this far. Jimmy deserves to take the last shot. And right? we've, we've learned your system. We understand what you're doing. We're, we are your team. Yep. Yep. And if he had said, no, we're doing the fake, they would have gone, okay. Yeah, and they might not have won. Well, we, we can never know. <laughs> we can never know, right, exactly. <laughs> so also, now, what's so interesting about this is the actor who played Jimmy Chitwood, he shot the shots. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, David Anspaugh didn't know that he was going to make the shots. He just shot them, and David filmed it. Happened to catch it, and he shot it twice, and he made it both times. Right. One thing to think about, by the way, is that the pressure on a player in a state championship game to make oh. the last shot at shot. the last moment right. is huge. Yes. Well, the pressure on an actor playing that character <laughs> with all the extras who are yeah. about to leave yeah. is also huge. And apparently he was practicing the shot before. Right. Missed it every time. Wow. Yeah. And people started getting nervous. In fact, the director was thinking, maybe i got to move the shot up a little bit. Right. But if I do, that's going to break his confidence. And so they went with it. And as you say... Made both. And what's other interesting thing about this is that final shot that Jimmy takes, go watch the old footage. It is the exact same spot wow. where he made that final shot to win the game in real life. That the player for Mylon, it's choreographed exactly the same in the movie. Gets that separation from the defender and shoots it from the corner of the key and makes it. rush the courts you see the other players despondent laying sitting on the ground and everything happens right all the storylines are are wrapped up in this final game cletus is still alive kissing his wife the reverend's happy dennis hopper is jumping up and down in the hospital you know everything is great everything is resolved uh and then we kind of drift off it's almost like we're reliving the movie again in real quick time and hearing it in audio snippets i've seen you guys And then we end up in the gym, and we see this kid in the gym. Yeah, and what's interesting is, yeah. is that originally it was going to be a shot of an empty gym. Yeah. And the camera was just going to move in. We'd hear the snippets of the audio right. and move in on the picture. Yeah. And the director suddenly went, no, no, something's missing here. Because the, the point of this is not, is that the legend continues. Yes. Is that as you do, you know, that 1954 game. Yeah. People are still remembering yep. that moment. And so he wanted a connection with the future. And he went to the school that they're at and said, where is the best seven or eight-year-old basketball player in the school? Ended up being the kid of like the janitor or something. Oh, wow. And he came in and, man, that kid makes some shots. Yeah, he like does. he makes like three or four, which yeah, like does. for a seven-year-old is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a last-minute addition. Wow. Yeah. But I love the way it ends. It goes up into that shot of them in black and white, that black and white picture. And, he, and it says, and there's that pause. And he says... I love you guys. And that's the way the film ends. Yeah. Such a powerful film. Such an amazing film. Uh, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, let's, let's talk about final thoughts. Steve, do you have final thoughts? Uh, I do. First of all, it's great revisiting the film. I yeah. don't know why I haven't watched it very much. It's going to go back into the rotation. It's a great film. I mean... And the thing I was thinking about was that most of the sports movies we see are about professional athletes. Yeah. And there are very few humans in the world that ever become professional athletes. Yes. It is something we aspire to maybe, but we never experience. And while there are more um, 
people that become college athletes, yeah. it's still not a very big number. But almost all of us have played on a little league team or a high yeah. school team. We all experience the coach. Yeah. We all experience the team. And I was thinking about why is this movie important and meaningful in a way that the other ones aren't? And it's because this is us, yeah. much more so than watching The Natural or watching, mm -hmm. you know, these these really big movies about big sports moments. Mm -hmm. um, and and I was thinking, this is why is this so important? And why is high school sports and children's athletics so important? And it's important because the lessons of discipline and fundamentals and teamwork are so important to building our characters and who we are. And the coach is the central figure in that, that the coach is the person that pushes you beyond what you thought you were capable of doing. Yeah. The coach is the person who teaches you how to work together as a team. And for me, that was volleyball. Volleyball was always my favorite sport. And I remember when I got taught, you know, a 6-2 and 5-1 formation, and I was a setter and knew each position. And there was this sensation of like knowing where you were supposed to be. And if you worked the machine correctly, yeah. it was beautiful. And you don't, Get the, and that experience is so important, even though I'm not a good volleyball player. I mean, I, you know, no one would ever put me on there. You know, I, right. I love volleyball, but right. I wasn't that great. But the lessons I learned from doing it yeah. were so fundamental to what it is to, in life. Right. You know, and that's what I kept getting over and over again is working together, teamwork, discipline, fundamentals and practice. Yeah. And even if you never are going to be anywhere near a professional athlete, learning those things is valuable. Yeah. And that's what I love watching this movie. That's this great, time. man. I, listen, I've seen this movie five hundred million times. Like it is, it is one of these films that if I stumble upon it, I will spend an, I will lose an hour of my day watching it wherever it's at. I have to drag myself away from it or turn off the television. I've stayed up late sometimes sure. because it's come on. I'm like, damn it, because there's a magic to this film that you don't find in a lot of sports movies. And there are some great sports movies, but there is something about this being a slice of Americana yeah. that is done so effectively, and it is. Well, exactly what you said. You talk about professional athletes. These are high school kids. There's something about the innocence of high school sports the, the, where you're beginning to form yourself as a man, beginning to form yourself uh, in relation to other people, working with a team, figuring it out. You know what I'm saying? Building friendships, building bonds that might last you for the rest of your life. I'm still best friends with my high school uh, best friend. So I'm, right. we're still best friends. And so it's like those things, you see that develop. And you're right, the idea of the coach Wanting that coach, that one who understands better than you what you need, who knows what you need, who will get you there, who understands, and that you, when it clicks for you, it really clicks for you and you open a world up. You know, a whole world opens up to you and you see that happening in this film. You see them come on his team piece by piece. They all buy into the Normandale system and it yields results once they buy in. And I think that's what's great about this film. And also the other storylines. The love story is Absolutely. not a conventional story, a love yeah. story in any way, shape or form. It's begr it begrudgingly happens. And when it happens, it's authentic. He has oh, that yeah. great moment where he says to her, you know, we didn't cover it in the, in the breakdown of the film. But oh, you're right. We he has, but yeah. he has that moment where he says to her, I've been imagining doing that since I met you. You know, and there's the powers of power. And I was tired of imagining. And I was tired of imagining it. Exactly. The storyline with Shooter, you know, this whole idea of redeeming him as an alcoholic, you know, these kinds of things. So there's so much more to this film than just about this team. 
There's so much more to this film. And the film, to its credit, I mean, it's ranked number 13 in AFI in the 100 years of sports films. It's ranked number 13. Uh, it, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2001 as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And in 2008, AFI revealed its uh, top 10 best films in classic American film genres. And Hoosiers was acknowledged as the fourth best film in sports. The mm. sports genre, uh, and there's a there's a museum to actually commemorate the real life achievements of the uh, the Milan team that was established, uh, and it's so amazing, just so amazing, all that the, all the stuff that it, that it was. And Dennis Hopper well, was nominated for the Oscar, and yep. Jerry Goldsmith was nominated for the Oscar for the score. So there's so much about this film that's fantastic. So Absolutely, no question about it. There we go. And so that's that is Hoosiers. Yes, here on the Cinephiles, that's what we think. What do you think? Um, thank you for putting up with my first attempt at leading this thing. Wow, it was a lot. Uh, I feel bad for Steve who has to edit this whole thing down because um, uh, there was a lot of times we stopped and started. Uh, thanks, everybody. And I hope you, we have uh, reignited your love for the movie. But tell us what you think. Like, tweet at us. You guys can reach us uh, on Facebook at The Cinephiles, Cine-Files. You can also find us on uh, iTunes at Cine-Files and on Stitcher at Cine-Files now. Yeah, we have a dash now. We have a dash now. We're, we're moving up in the world. We have a YouTube channel uh, that you can go. And if you don't want to listen to us on a podcast, you can go listen to it on the YouTube channel channel um and uh you can always find me at the roca says on twitter and on instagram steve where can they find you they can find me at sr morris and we love interacting with you we love talking to you on twitter all right that's it from us we will see you next time on the cinephiles <laughs>